about this joint. We out here. Welcome back to another episode of More Than the Title, y'all. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas, Chief Revenue Officer Outside the Box Digital. As you might notice, I'm missing my brother, my brethren, your favorite CEO's favorite CEO. My boy is driving right now. We had a, a day. Oh, my God, y'all. We had a day. Shout out to Mike Barron and the entire team. We brought him to the Bronx, y'all. We're we going to show y'all some content, man. We, we apologize for the tardiness. We wouldn't normally do this because this is an episode we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for this queen to pull up to the seat and rock out with us, man. But before we introduce this young lady, shout out to y'all, the listeners, man, the supporters, the followers, the subscribers. We are growing and glowing every week across every platform because of the support and love that y'all give us. And we really, truly appreciate y'all because if you've been rocking with us, y'all know we do this for the culture. If this is your first time tuning in, more than the titles of show to celebrate our people, celebrate the people that are from the mud, that actually breaking barriers, accomplishing amazing things, taking care of their families, doing amazing, amazing things. And the stories that you won't see on Ad Age, Ad Week, and all these other publications, we want to show you the real raw and direct stories from our queen, from our kings. And that's what we're going to do. So we're going to give you our role. We might hear we might hear a couple curse words. You might hear a message or two. You might get one of these. Message. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> Don't be alarmed because that's what we do. That's what we do. And shout out to our distribution partners, the Live Podcast Network. Let me put the, put the link up real quick. Oh, no, that's our link. But if y'all want the link real quick, First woman-owned, black-owned podcast network in the world. Shout out to Angel Levis and the crew. If you want more content, like more than a title from black content creators, make sure you take your phone out right now, scan the QR app, and download the app and subscribe and support your favorite content creators because this is all we got. We all we got. And this is what this is about, y'all. It's more than a title. And with that said, let's start the show. Oh, Daddy, you ready to pause? I hope you're ready to pause, sis. <laughs> I am so ready. I'm so excited. Uh, I, I'm excited for you. So let, let me introduce you properly, Queen. As the CEO of Arrow DEI, this Arrow is the AeroDot. So I, I like AeroDot. Appreciate that. So she said, leads an AI-powered inclusion performance platform. She is currently working on a doctorate in quality systems and authored the inclusive organization. It was listed in Forbes as a top DEI read. It was even shared by Ariana Huffington, who has over 10 million followers on LinkedIn. She has over 15 years of experience advising corporations on diverse audiences and has cultivated a substantial LinkedIn following exceeding over 200K. In addition, she's been interviewed by prominent publications like the Washington Post, the Forbes, Fortune, McKinsey, and more than a title as of now. And in 2022, she gave a TEDx talk titled Reimagining the Workplace. Her impact in the corporate and startup inclusion landscape has garnered international attention. She has spoken in several countries, including Netherlands, Ghana, Turkey, and many others. And she has discussed the practical steps that organizations need to take to get tangible business results through inclusion efforts. She's also worked extensively with prominent professionals such as Mark Lore, the former CEO of Walmart, along with Preet Bahara, the former United States Attorney of the Southern District of New York, and in 2021 was named one of the top 10 most influential Black women in business. Let's introduce our sister, the queen, Miss Netta Jenkins, baby. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. So excited. Oh, I thought, I thought, I thought, bro, had me on the horns. Hold on, let me give you a horn. That, that was rude of me. I love the horn. You are definitely bringing the, the energy, the party vibes. I'm here for all of it. Sis, because we have to celebrate you, queen. 
love and that. I, I know bro is coming on soon and he's in traffic right now, but I want to tell you my experience of knowing you. Yeah. Oh, you were one of the first people I saw on LinkedIn, right? So when I was in sales for 10 years, 11 years, and I was like, yo, I'm tired of making cold calls. Who looks like me on LinkedIn? Mm. It was you. Wow. It was Madison Butler. It was, um, shout, shout out to my girl, Liz Lieber. Shout out to my people that were out there. And I was like, you know what? I can be myself on here. Because yep. there's not going to be many people that's going to be in a hat and a hoodie from the Bronx that know sales, business, and marketing the way I do. And mm. only if only 2% of people are posting, it's going to be 0, 0, 0, 0. 0.1% of me. Mm. And I end up changing my life through this. And that's why we're here now. And I want to thank you, sister, for all you do for us and for the culture. Straight up. Wow. Thank you so That, Thank you. Thank you. No, no, Queen. No, you, you, you are one of them ones, and I'm going to celebrate your sis. And when bro come on, we're going to celebrate your sis. You know the vibes. I hear that. I you hear know, that. You know that sis. But let's start. Let's start from the beginning, sis. Like, cause I would love to know your mm. background, and then we'll lead and segue into your, your business acumen. But tell us a little bit about your background and like growing up, and and just a little bit about your personality, so we can understand who you are. Yeah, I'll tell you. I am a mother of three. I have a bonus sign and then I have two little rambunctious kids. One is three, one is four. Absolutely adore them. I'm learning so much from them. Um, But a little bit more about me. So uh, both of my parents are from Liberia. They came to this country in in the 80s. And I'm not sure why, but they moved to Rhode Island, a very, the the smallest state. Rhode Island? Why Rhode Island? Why? I'm still trying to figure that out. Out of all places that we can be, you chose Rhode Island. Okay. But not only did they choose Rhode Island, but they they selected a very small, predominantly white town that we that I grew up in. And we faced so much racism. So wow. much. There was an incident where, and I always share this story when I was seven years old, standing next to, you know, my mother in the yard, a white woman had proclaimed. She said, blacks don't belong in my neighborhood. She spit in my mother's face. And I remember seeing the phlegm literally drink, uh, drip down my mother's cheek. Damn! Hold on. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Play that back. Exactly. Hold on. Damn! Yeah. Um, I've told this story so many times, so I feel like every time that I tell it, it's a sense of healing for me, but I was seven years old. I did not know how to react in that moment. I was silent, but I could feel as a little girl, I could feel my mom's energy thinking like, what do I do? Do I react? And we all know what that reaction is. Oh, we don't play that. <laughs> exactly. That part, right? <laughs> do I react in that way? And I'm trying to figure out as a seven-year-old, wait, do I react in that way too? But then I also could feel my mom thinking, but if I react in that way, what will happen to me? Shout out to Hayes. Look, you see the comment? Yes. (laughs) Pretty much. Keep it real. Keep it real. Pretty much. And it was that moment and the decision that my mom made was to grab my hand and for us to walk back into the house. We walked back into the house. You know, Black parents, they don't unpack anything, right? Nothing, nothing. Especially African parents, right? figure it out. (laughs) I had to figure that out. Like, what what just happened, right? I went into my room, and I remember, like, literally getting down on my knees, and I vowed to never be silent again. When I tell you, that's when the spirit of advocacy and fighting for those that are voiceless began. 
it began. And it was in a predominantly white neighborhood when I had started. I was going to a predominantly white school as well. And I remember in uh, middle school, I said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to be the president of the freshman class because I was going off to, to, to high school in the eighth, after the eighth grade. And I ended up winning. And I remember my student council teacher then saying to me, well, you know, Netta, your big gig here is to fold flowers for the freshman float. I looked him in the eye. I said, I'm not here to fold flowers for the freshman float. I'm here to create change. So he's looking at me like, is this message? Get one of those. Right. He's like, is this little black girl like crazy? And I'm thinking like, do I really think I'm Martin Luther King? Like in this predominantly white school? But I started to, I got involved in honors courses and student council. I challenged the education that was being taught. And I started to see the students really wanted to understand, okay, well, she's saying this is wrong. She's a student. What's really going on here? And so I would I would make sure that my voice was was being heard in that school and that's when I knew, okay, there's something special that I have here. I'm unapologetic and I'm not afraid to raise my voice and, and not, not just rah-rah yelling just to be yelling, but really strategically to drive the impact that I want to see. And I remember, you know, when you have African parents, they kind of give you like three occupations you can be, doctor, lawyer, insurance. <laughs> like literally my mom had watched me rub Bengay on my, my grandmother's back and she's like, ah, you are a sergeant. You're gonna be a big time doctor. And then, oh my god! And then, so um, yes. And then my my dad. He's like, you're gonna be better than Johnny Cochran. You're gonna be the top attorney, right? So they definitely instill a lot of drive. And and one thing I I definitely cherish my parents for is letting me know that you can do anything. Like, don't you ever box yourself in. Oh you have. Oh my god! And. And there's privilege in that because not everyone has parents that are going to be that supportive and ingrain that in you from a very young age. That's crazy. And so I, I think having that ingrained in me has really helped me to, to propel. Sis, I'm going to keep it real. It's funny that you said that. Like our company, you're going to laugh with this. Our mm -hmm. company is called Outside the Box Digital for that reason. Yeah. Put OTB Digital right on the sleeve. Right on the sleeve. And, and, and you experienced a traumatic event at seven years old. And I'm curious, and I would love to keep it real with you. How did that not keep you jaded? Because you see that, you know what I'm saying? Especially coming from a small town. Like I'm from the big city Bronx. How did that keep you where it's like, I still love you and I still open to everybody and receptive to different cultures, but I know what we deal with. Like, how did you say that? Oh, I, I was jaded for a long time. You know, even though I was doing the work, if I'm keeping it real, yeah. there there's still a level of guilt that I carry. And the level mm. of guilt that I carry is what even propels me harder to to drive the change that I need to see. Message. Yeah, because I always because I always go back to that moment and I'm like, damn, but I didn't do anything. Like I, mm. I, I stood there and I watched this woman spit in my mother's face and I didn't do anything. You know, like there's I would be lying if I didn't tell you that, like, yeah, there's still uh, a large part of me that hurts. There's pain. And there's a large part of me as well that I, I carry this level of guilt and, and you know, through therapy and everything, I'm, I'm working through it. Um, but I think a part of it, too, I had to realize is that is that woman. <laughs> like, um. she has the issue, right? Like, she was projecting her own racist view. Right. And although it, the, one, 
Talk that talk. Talk that talk. Now you talking. You preaching. Talk that talk. Oh my gosh, listen, I have laughing spells, so I wouldn't even be able to continue this. It's going to be random, since I promise you. It's gonna be, don't, don't be startled. Just laugh. Oh my, God. oh my gosh, y'all are crazy. Um, but but no, it was, um, it, it's hard. It, it's hard. I did, But I had to, I had to really um, understand that she was projecting her own energy and she's the one with the issue. Absolutely. Right? And she was saved by the grace of the Lord that day as well. Um, but but she's the one with the issue. She's the one who has to go to sleep at night. She's the one who's bothered because, yeah. because black people exist. That's not my problem. You know, it's not our problem anymore. And, and we're we're going on in life and we're doing big things. And my mom is doing things, you know. And so I think that's that's the beauty of it. You know, the people that carry that that type of hatred. They are the ones that will be stuck in a box. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. My forces. My, my I couldn't get to it quick enough. Well, all the way we are. <laughs> oh my God. But that's that's so real. I'm I'm gonna keep uh, the, the thing I have with DEI, right? And my biggest problem, we'll go into your sentence of corporate because I would love to hear it as well. Yeah. My biggest problem with corporate with DEI, it just felt like it was just something that was just there to save face. Oh, of course, yeah. And it was like, I, I was in the um, the ERG groups and some of the companies and big organizations. They'd be like, oh my God, it's like 50 of us here. And we're like, oh my God. And like, we have a $10,000 budget for the entire year. And then guess what? I have to ask to get approval for the things that we want to implement within the company. Let me tell you. And this is why, this is why I was just like, I need to change this. Like, I'm tired. Like, you know, I'm tired of functioning like this. I was in the DEI space for many years. And mm -hmm. I still, of course, am, I'm a huge advocate. Absolutely. But being in corporate America, I saw that was not, nothing was really changing, yeah. right? At the yeah. end of the day, what a lot of these leaders are looking at is what is the business impact? When I bring it back, when I really think about it, I'm leading a business right now. I can't even fathom bringing on someone that can't really contribute to the revenue. Because mm. my business would not be able to survive, that's, right? That's so when I think about that as well, I see how leaders will then be like, well, what what is that business impact? They're reading about they're reading the reports on the increase of representation and the impact of it and all this stuff, but they're still trying to figure out, okay, but like, are we seeing this? We only have a very small subset of people. We've laid them off and we're still doing our thing, you know, and so Oh no, sis, you talking. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, we're taking the school. We, we no, we're going to American history, we're going to black, we're going to corporate. We what we doing. <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean, and, and I think the other thing for me is when I started to look at um who really received the budgets, like the inequities just within the budgets, the DEI department received pennies. Yeah. Compare it to the engineering department, yeah. compare it to the finance department, compare it to the marketing department. It was always pennies. And I'm just like, damn, mm. something has to change. And that's one of the reasons why I, you know, while I was working within an organization, I started to build. I started to build on the company's platform. And when I got into that organization, I told the CEO and I even told a board member, I said, I'm going to build something. I'm going to build one of the biggest products that you all will ever see. And they're looking at me like, we just hired you as VP of Global Inclusion, but you're talking about product and engineering. What are you talking about, right? Yeah. My mindset was different. And again, and I, my mindset, it goes back to when I was younger. 
my parents letting me know you can do anything. Like, don't you ever put yourself in a box. Yes, because you have that title does not mean you can't be any other thing that you want to be. Message. And, um, and, and what I know I am is I'm innovative, right? I watch my mom be innovative. We know how it is. We know how the struggle is. I watch when we didn't have light and we didn't have food and we didn't have the car and we didn't, you know, I watched when we were rock bottom, but I also watched how creative and innovative my mom was when she started to sell food, right? When she was selling clothes, when she was selling things to really just like ensure that we were able to sustain and survive. So I'm like, wait, hold on. And so I can't do the same. We could do the same thing in corporate America. But I think, you know, one of the things that I always talk about is the oppressive mindset. We have to get out of the oppressive mindset. Oftentimes when we get into these organizations, we have our heads down. We're doing our work diligently so hard. And then we know we're not receiving the recognition. We're not receiving the promotion. We're not receiving the the proper compensation. Ah, I was talking about it. Shit. They talk about it. We're not doing, we are not doing that. Right. And and so that's where the innovation started. And and again, I had to be very strategic because at the end of the day, yeah, a lot of these organizations understand the reports and they know DEI is a nice thing to do, but at the end of the day, they want to see business impact, financial success as well. Absolutely. And when I started to build the platform in my mind was, how can I show business impact through this platform that I'm building? What happened? The organization ended up winning an $8 million RFP. And specifically in the hearing, they said, well, it was due to these inclusion efforts, but it was the insights that I had pulled from the platform that I was utilizing. Now the CEO was like, wait, hold on, Netta. Let's talk about that like let's talk about this platform a lot more well, well let's get into that sister. before you go into the story what are some of the insights that you actually pulled to show them the business impact of diversity yeah so some of the insights that i pulled was being able to show them the amount of goals that people were working on the measurable quantifiable goals that people were working on yep. and how their goals then aligned right back to rfp wins to new customer acquisition. So when I talk about business impact, I mean like the things that will really impact a business. Mainly revenue. Revenue. (laughs) Keep it real. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we're also living in in this world that's, it's all about money and capitalism, you know? And it's so unfortunate. And as much as we want to be like, let's stress and and do social good, but like no one has time to be struggling. Oh like I don't want, like I don't want to see my people struggle. You know what I mean? And so it's it's how do we co-create together? How do we work together? And how do we drive that impact together so that we are successful? Whether we have our own businesses or even if we chose if we choose to be in corporate America, how do you navigate to make sure that? you can really drive the impact for yourself and for your family and break the generational gaps that exist. See, you made a great point, sis. And I, I think before we even go into the, because the, 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 you winning the RFP is, is crucial. And I want to tell that story because that kind of helps your ascension. Well, I feel like I hear a double. Do you hear a double? A little bit. I, I hear you a little bit louder. Yeah, something happened with the audio. Chaz, that you, I don't know. Is he coming through from the car? <laughs> I don't know, but I felt something changes. Feel something, right? Yeah. Something okay. Changed. Sorry, now. audio listeners. <laughs> we gotta keep it real. But like, what was your first experience 
in corporate America that made you give you the, obviously the, your parents gave you the confidence to say, hey, look, I am who I am and I'm going to break barriers, right? But what was your, it's different from them telling you from you getting into corporate and then you seeing what it is. It. So what was that first experience is like? And then we'll go into the RFP and we'll explain what that is for the people. Yeah, the first experience for me was just like, it was so stark for me to see how deep of the lack of re representation there was. I'm just like, wait, I'm the only, I remember, I remember interviewing in New York and I had braids and I had, I was so excited for the interview all buttoned up. Yeah. And um, I did not see a single person that looked like, like me. I was just like, what is going on? I mean, yeah. I was like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even find an Asian person. <laughs> That's <laughs> real. Where my indigenous, where are my, my, my Hispanic, Latin people? Like, I'm like, where is anyone that has like a little bit of complexion to the skin tone? I didn't see anyone. And I remember I did not get the position, but the HR person said, well, Netta, you just weren't a culture fit. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I hate that. What the what does like, that mean? I was like, oh, I get it. Okay. <laughs> May have been too black. I was the only black one, right? But it was funny because that was the first time someone telling me that I was not a culture fit. I was really like, well, is it because I'm Liberian? I'm African? Is it because I'm a black woman? Is it I was really trying to figure out like well, what does she what mean? What does it mean? Like, fit? tell me, just be direct. Yeah. Exactly. Like, what, what What do you mean? What, what yeah. was it? Yeah. I was dressed nicely. I was dressed better than, than the people that were sitting down. So what Talk about is going it. on? Um, aside from that, just getting into an organization and then, you know, hearing how these leaders are talking, seeing how uh, the TA team are passing over re res resumes, you know, if they didn't understand the name, it's, oh, all right, well, no. Or if they saw that person had, you know, they were working for a good amount of time. Oh, no, we don't need to talk to that person. I'm just like, damn. Like, there is a large subset of people that are not even getting their resumes seen, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, <clears throat> I can only imagine someone maybe that is going through other things in their life. Let's say someone has a felony or has someone has a misdemeanor and now you're looking for an opportunity. And you, like, I started to think about so many things um, that that really hinder um, the opportunity for, for folks to really just like thrive. And it's all because of like one or a few gatekeepers. That's it. There it goes. There was that. I think the other parts too was like, yeah, let's go to the bar and drink. And I'm just like, ah. I'm not into that. <laughs> so, not yeah, into that. I'm not into I'm not into it. First of all, I, I don't I don't like y'all nine to five. I don't like you at six. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it real. I'm trying to leave a three, you know. <laughs> I go home to my kids and shit. I'm trying to chill. Yeah. So it it was it was that I it was that was tiring. But there was also this one colleague that would always say around lunchtime, nice guy, but he would come to me, yo yo yo, Netta, what are we doing for lunch? And I'm like, wait, hold on, wait, wait gone too far. <laughs> gone too far. Do you even hear me talking to you like that? So yeah. what gives you, and I had to, you know, I let it slide a couple of times <clears throat> and then I had to check him on it. And I said, yeah. do you ever hear me saying, yo, 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 like, let's go get something to eat. I said, well, so why are you talking to me in that way? Like I told him, don't get too comfortable now. And he's like, oh my gosh, you know, he was, he was trying to change it up. So it was very, 
you know, you, you start to see these these slight microaggressions, yeah. and then the slight microaggressions lead into macroaggressions. Macro. Where you're 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 working on the project, <clears throat> but you're not looped into the meeting. But you're looped into the meeting once the decision is made, right? Yes. Talk. I talk. So, hey, come in, come in. Yeah, we made the decision. This is what we're going to do. What are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? You already made the decision. I was not a part of it. Yeah. I'm so sorry. We forgot about you. Next time we'll loop you in. Never loop in, right? So it's just, <clears throat> it's all of those things that start to hinder. And I had to also turn the mirror to myself and think about how to better navigate the workplace. And one of the things I started to notice about myself is because I did not feel comfortable, I started to retreat to myself. Like I would leave everyone else. Yeah, I didn't want to do the after work hours, but the after work hours could also bring in a lot of opportunities. Absolutely. No, I don't want to do the golfing, but the golfing can also bring in a lot of big deals. Big Big deals. And a lot of opportunities. So I had to start to retool my mindset. I had to like also think about, okay, Netta, what are you trying to do here? Like, what is your purpose for working? Aside from, yes, you need your paycheck and yeah, <laughs> you need yeah. to survive. But when I really dug deep into my purpose, it's like, how do I break generational gaps? Like, how do I do that? And if I need to do that, I need funds in order to do that. Uh, yeah. right? and if I need funds to do that, one day I need my own business so that I can actually hire people. Message. Call the shots. And if I hire people, then I want to be able to to compensate them properly. Not say, oh, I need you to volunteer your time. And so all of those things were, like, I started to think about those things. And I started to change the way I navigated. So as you're saying that, sis, because you said navigating the corporate experience. And what we call it here, as you've probably heard it before, is playing the game. Right. Let's just keep it all the way real. My first experience in corporate America was similar to yours, sis, where mm-hmm. I was in a place where there was a, a diverse culture. Mm-hmm. But the, I was a top performer at a company. I was at, at an ad tech company. Yeah. Right. I had braids down my back. I, I was going there dressed every day like I was in Catholic school and shit. I had a white mm-hmm. shirt, black slacks, Prada's on. I didn't know how to fucking dress. I didn't know how to yeah. be cool. I didn't know your vernacular. I didn't know none of that stuff. Right. But what I didn't know how to do is sell because I'm mm-hmm. a hustler. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I hit the numbers and they saw it over a consistent quarter over quarter, you know, performance, they brought me upstairs one day and it was like, you know what? We love you, Jared. But guess what? Um, something about you, the board doesn't know. Oh. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I like I know the board. That's Mr. This one. This one. His son sleeps on my couch. Some days we'd be sitting there drinking. It's like, what do you talk? What do you mean? They don't know me. They know exactly who I am. I'm thinking I'm playing the game. And they said this appearance It's the braids, maybe. Mm. I had a choice right there. My first corporate opportunity where I had my brace since I was in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. I could have went, I could have told him first of all, F you and I'm done. And yeah. then I wouldn't have the opportunity I have today. Or I could have said, you know what? Let me go to the, let me go to the barbershop and let me cut a part of my identity off to be accepted by you, mm-hmm. even though I'm performing at a high clip. Mm-hmm. I went home, cut my hair, got a tape up that I have today and got a $10,000 raise that Monday morning. Mm-mm-mm. And so without my question to you, sis, is when we're early in our career, when we're navigating those spaces, what gave you the confidence, like aside from the family to be like, because when you're playing the game, we don't know the rules and we don't know what they're playing by. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for you to be like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I don't care what you say. Yeah. Yeah. Where did that come from, sis? No, a part of it. And what else? I'll take a step back. And I think okay. 
we should never change who we are. You know what I mean? Because that mm-hmm. when we start to change who we are, we lose ourselves totally. We start to unravel. I've done that before. For me, when I say navigating like the structure, it's about what relationships are you forming? So it's I don't want to change myself, right? Yeah, yeah. Who do I need to form relationships with? So one of the earlier uh, organizations that I had joined. I saw all of these gaps and disparities and inequities that had existed. Now, the person that I was reporting to was the HR person at the time. So I had to build a relationship with her because one, I did not want her to feel threatened. Like her role was, I'm not, I don't need your role. I don't want to be HR, right? But what I want to do is have a conversation with the CEO and understand why aren't these things moving along? Why is it taking, who's a part of it? So I went to her and I said, listen, I said, I am here because I also want to, I also want to support you. And I genuinely did. I was a good person. I said, I genuinely want to support you, but in supporting you, I need you to support me. I want to have this conversation with the CEO. And I said, let me tell you what I also want to do is I want to amplify the work that you're doing because you're not being recognized properly. I'm an associate level person at that time. So she's looking at me like, Wait, what? She She looking at you like that. Well, yeah. And so that's what I talk about. Like, and I don't even want to call it a strategy per se, because I I genuinely cared for her and liked her, right? But it was also a part of it, me being very strategic about my career. I can have a conversation with her, but if she's not getting the recognition that she needs to get, even as a white woman, well, then what what makes me think I'm going to get the recognition? (laughs) Talk about it. And I'll be stuck at the bottom, right? Talk about it. So how can I have an introduction to the CEO so I can share solutions and a plan and understand, well, what plan does he have for my career if I can accomplish these goals and what I do? And that's the conversation. So when I was able to then kind of get her on board, she introduced me to the CEO. And still to this day, that CEO is still a part of like my journey and and supportive of of what I'm doing and the actions that I'm taking. And um, <clears throat> I mean, like to the point the organization was, I, that's how I even got into speaking engagements. That, you know, the CEO was like, hey, we want to invest in your development, Netta. Had a personal person, you know, a personal speaker, development speaker to support, <laughs> to support me, right? Um, he also made sure that I was always presenting at the parent company level with the executives where I was the only woman, not just black, but the only woman in the room. Oh. You know, there was an experience in, in my book, um, The Inclusive Organization. I talk about how one of the meetings that he invited me um, into, I had to present. This was like the first time. All of the other leaders are at very high levels, right? All the other leaders are just talking talking over me, not really listening. Uh He knew the power he held in that room. And he said, he paused everyone. He said, listen, I brought someone in that knows more than us. I need your undivided attention. Do you ever do that? If there was not a solid relationship formed to where he felt like he could trust me to where he saw me deliver. You know, it's not just someone liking you and, and fond of you, but someone seeing not like she's not playing any game. She delivers. Is it okay to, for me to put my stamp of approval? Exactly. She delivers. Right. And I'm going to make sure that the power and privilege that I hold 
you know, it's exerted right here, right now. And I'm going to share that with Netta. And that's exactly what happened. When I tell you the level of respect those people had for me in the room after, when I tell you the promotions that I received after, <laughs> the types of events that I attended after and the connections that I made, you know, and so that's what I mean about just, just really being um, creative, strategic, because at the end of the day, I always go back to the table and it's, Netta, what do you want to do? Like, you're working. Yes, you need your paycheck. But what is the bigger picture? And it's, I want to break generational curse. I like generational, like curse, essentially. Up. A line of poverty. You know, my mom in Africa and in Liberia, she was she was homeless and hungry as a child. And then she came to the States on a medical visa. Like it was not easy. So when I think about that, it's no, we don't we don't have time to waste time. <laughs> Message. Uh, and because bro came on, we gonna we gonna we on. First of all, because my brother looking like money right now, we gotta hit him with one of these right. Quick. We gotta pay some bills. We'll be right back. <laughs> because my brother looking like money, we got more than a title. Merch, we got hats, we got cups, we got beanies, we got mugs. If you pull out your phone, hopefully you're on desktop. You could just scan that QR code. I'm gonna give you about five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, my brother, to the show. <laughs> <laughs> we had a real ass comment real quick shout out to aaron mitchell he said there's a cause for confirming assimilating and there's a cause for not conforming assimilating we all have to decide what price we want to pay i admire those who don't have to make those sacrifices and have empathy for those who do brother shout out to you brother you know what you're gonna get bro you're gonna get one Straight up and down, man. You get one of the messages. That's real. There's a price to pay. Oh, yeah, there is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Whether it's, you know, cutting your hair, whether it's taking a salary bump, whether it's the future opportunities that you're missing out now because they feel like they can't make a stamp on you. And it's all about, you said it earlier, Netta, it's the relationships that you build. Yeah. I got it. It's all about relationships. You you got some talk to them, bro. What's up? Even though I just jumped in, I got a super deep question for you, Netta. Mm. My boy coming in hot. He's already. He, he coming in hot. <laughs> coming in hot. You, you know why? You know why, Netta? Because we unapologetic on this show, and I'm not even going to pretend to be apologetic about what I'm about to ask, right? Yeah. And I just want to see what your mentals is based on this question, right? You said, because I was listening in the background, right? Yeah. You said that you went for the interview and when you got there, there was nobody that looked like you. Culturally, you were different from everybody else. And then you didn't get the job because they said you wasn't a cultural fit for the fucking job. Absolutely. Now, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm just be honest with you. Um, we're not African, but in, in, a, in, a, in a sense, we're African-Americans, right? Born in, in America of African descent. Mm-hmm. Hit them with this real quick. So, and I want to, and I want to, and I'm being serious and I want you to take this very serious. Um, the level of strength that I want to just applaud your mother for having as far as emotional and restraint wise, I'm going to tell you right now, Yeah. I don't give a, I don't give a flying fuck. If you spit in my face, I'm going to whip your motherfucking ass. (laughs) Yes. Wait, hold on, hold, hold on, brother. Hold on. Netta, <laughs> Netta, be, let's be clear. Yeah. 
You could you could you could talk about me. I can hold some restraint, and I, and this is coming from a street a street dude. You can talk about me. I'll even tolerate a certain level of disrespect depending on who you are and how I feel about you. Mm -hmm. If you spit in my face, and we talking that that hog spit that that in the phlegm coming down. If you spit in my motherfucking face. There is nothing to discuss. There's nothing to think about. I'm going to put hands and feet on you till hands and feet can't be put on you no more. Yeah. Well, for yeah. the fact that your mother had enough, and that takes a fortitude that most people cannot conjure in our community because our pride is so fucking high that we cannot swallow that much insult to allow that level of disrespect to go unchecked. Yeah. Mother, to be able to be mature enough to swallow that level of fucking disrespect and swallow her pride and look at you and, and realize what she wanted to do. I want to say we applaud your mother because not many people would be able physically, emotionally, mentally to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, you, you said like swallow like four times. Whoa. My brother, no, it was serious. No, I don't no, want to hit you no, in the no. That's not. That's fine. No, no, no. I'm gonna take that. Purposes, you know no, no, no. That's fine. No, that's fine. I'll take that because this message is fucking clear. Yeah. I want to get this message through, and because I'm tired of this shit. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of this shit. You can tell me I'm not qualified. You can, you know, disrespect is disrespect. Racism is racism. There's fucking lines that we have to draw on the motherfucking sand and say, you will not cross this motherfucking line. Spitting in somebody's motherfucking face in front of their child is a level awesome. that you need to get your motherfucking ass whipped mm -hmm. because you will not understand. I don't give a fuck what culture you are that did it. You will not understand the ramifications of how disrespectful that is unless foot is being applied to ass. That's it. Now, mm -hmm. by your mother giving her a motherfucking pass, even though I respect the fortitude that it took to do that, she <clears> did <throat> us a disservice. And let me tell you why she did us a disservice. Because now that, that person that did that thinks that she got a motherfucking pass. She thinks that I did it to her, so it's okay. I can do it to her again. Or I can do it to anybody in her range or culture, and they're going to accept that type of motherfucking behavior. Now had your mother fucking, and now had your mother, mother, had your mother separated her head from her motherfucking shoulders. You know, and that's what Hay said. The, I, the disrespect is that a, 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 it was, it, it, yeah, it, it burns, it burns. It's Let me tell you, we have to, we have to draw a line, Netta, and I'm, I'm, I'm just being so honest with you, Queen. If we never draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough and you will not cross this motherfucking line. The people that disrespect us, and I don't give a fuck what culture they come from. Be clear, I don't give a fuck what culture they come from. The people that disrespect us will never cease to disrespect us unless we show them that we will not fucking tolerate that to a degree. Listen, I hear you, but I also think, you know, and it goes back to one of the comments different times yeah. you know i we also have to look at the lens my mom is a woman that grew up in liberia you know so it's not even like she has um the mentality of understanding or even being american really yeah right um and feeling secure she's coming here she's on a visa so now what happens if something wildly right like let's say she did put out all her anger 
and 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 really hurt her or killed her, right? Um, now she's deported. I understand. Now her children that she had, because we're citizens, are left alone. So she had in that moment, and I and I get it because I still question that day, but in that moment, she really had to think, do I allow this to happen and be disrespected? Or do I stay with my children? Is that worth the American dream that we can't? Well, well, let me say this too. Let me and, just say this, right? Can I can I give you this version of a way to think about it? There's always multiple ways to look at a situation. You're absolutely right in what you're saying, right? But your mother could have also became a pioneer as a person that was an immigrant that stood up for racial injustice and not tolerating disrespect to a certain extent. There's I'm not, like I said, the first thing I led with was I commend your mother for her fortitude. That's what I led with, right? But let me tell you something, right? In this country, African-Americans, African, it doesn't matter what you call it, black and brown people, we cannot ask for respect. We have to fucking take our respect. We have been demeaned. We have been disrespected. We have been enslaved. And we've been fucking shown that our value, even in, in, in the words that was written in these in these proclamations, that we are three quarters of a man, right? Three quarters of a man, not a full person. We have been disrespected to the utmost. It's only when we decided to fight and revolt and show that we will not take it, regardless of what the fucking consequences were, that we were afforded our civil liberty. Yeah. And you know, and it goes back, you're you're absolutely right, but I think it goes back to the consequences, right? Exactly. Some people are willing to go ahead and risk it all, but at the same time, when you have your family and you have your life on the line, it is it is it is very, very, very challenging in those moments to really think about okay, well, do I take this action that I know will feel good, right? But but what type of trouble is it going to bring? But but he could also you could also said that same thing with me with cutting my hair right I could have been like yo the fuck that I'm not cutting my hair and guess what I've been out on the fucking street somewhere it's that decision that you have to make based on where you are in your life in that life. moment absolutely and that and that's the unfortunate part because not many of us have that afforded that luxury to say we can do so look at me and that's why I led with I no, respect right. it right facts, that's facts. why I led with I respect it but I I just want you to understand this right. Without sacrifice, there is no reward, right? Before you even had that interview, there are black and brown people that actually sacrificed their entire life. They were unalive due to the decisions that they made that made it even possible for you to even have that fucking interview. Oh, oh absolutely. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, so, so, I and again, I like I said, I understand people. I understand people make decisions with the information that they are given with their situation in the moment. That's why I I applauded her in the moment. But what I want to say is your situation happens every day right now. Still, it still happens until we come together as a culture. And we say as a culture, this shit will not be fucking tolerated. It's not going to change. Right, right. And I think I think you're spot on until we come together. You know, there's no community. And like the position she was in, Absolutely. there's no community, there's no support. Absolutely. You're the only black little family. Absolutely. It is extremely difficult to to, no, to absolutely. drive absolutely. you have no one supporting you, then what happens? No. You know? And again, you know, um I'm gonna say this and I think you're gonna agree, right? 
I think everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. Everything happens in the in a sense the way it should, right? Because uh -huh. nothing happens by accident. I think it had to happen to your mother because the universe knew that your mother could endure it. And your mother's a woman. Mo women are a little bit more passive than men. Imagine if that happened to your father, right? I don't know if you grew up with your father, if your father was prominent in your lifetime, but just think about your father, how he would have reacted to that situation. I can almost guarantee it would have been completely different than the way your mother but, but, but also, But also think about context, you know because Netta actually witnessed that and saw it and saw what right. her mother went through. Now right. she's able to change lives for multiple black women, black kings that are in right. tech, that are in corporate and stand up because she said, I am not fucking doing it. Yeah. Now I'm in a position and, to be trying to That's a really good question in the beginning yeah. is, yeah. it's how do you, you know, does it still haunt you? Of course. Right. Oh, yeah. you know, there's, there's a deep level of guilt, even as a child thinking, well, right. I should have yeah. spent a that person, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, well, I can, I can use this energy to really drive the impact that I want to see. And I think that's what really... Yeah. really helped me to propel within these spaces because I was just like, listen, I'm not going to be looking or feeling like, oh, these people are above me, right? Yeah. Or these people have a leg over me, right? I got to yeah. create the pathway so that I can support not only my family, but but my people at the end of the day, Black people. Message! That's, That's it, sis. And but, so yeah. when you were talking about, like, so you said, when Fort Chad came, we were talking about yeah. you built the relationships, right? You talked to the CEO and I loved your approach with it, right? Because you was mm -hmm. like, look, I, I want to support you. How do I help support you and also further my agenda, right? Yeah. How do we work together to do so, right? What happened after that? And how did what kind of opportunities open as a result of that? Yeah, you know, like I was saying before, it was really promotion after promotion, mm -hmm. you know, um, because the CEO was then bringing me in rooms with other executives where I was the one who was leading the conversation where he also made sure like, hey, no, we have someone in here that knows more than us. Uh, you need to listen to her. And again, that brought a whole nother level of respect, but it brought promotions. It brought higher compensation. It brought connections to really kind of propel the things that I needed to propel. Do you, and, do you, ever, do you ever feel, uh, no, my fault is because as you're saying that right now, you feel the promotions. Were there other Black people around you? And do you ever felt like a sort of guilt? But being the one person who created that opportunity, created well, the relationship? Absolutely not, because the other Black people mm. that were around me. So I always say, you know, we, we hear this phrase of bring bring a seat to the table. Yeah, You can't just bring one seat to the table. There has You have to bring multiple seats for people to follow you. And mm. so the other Black people within that organization, they were doing well as well, right? I was bringing them into the meetings. I was also connecting them. I was also explaining, hey, here's how you navigate. And here's the thing, not everyone is going to do that. Oh, Some right. people That's are right. comfortable, no matter what the race is, right? Max. Some people are comfortable doing, just doing their job and putting their heads down. It's not for everybody. And some people are like, well, no, I'm not going to take this, right? I want I want to take it to the next level. Um, but no, definitely, I, I made sure that other people were following in the pathway. And that's so I got, a, that's so I got a crazy question. I'm, fuck oh. that. I'm, He's not. Man, fuck that. I'm ready to go left with all this shit because. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Where we going with it, bro? Because I'm tired of this shit, right? So let me let me hear your opinion. We talk about all these fucking programs within the the business that acknowledge us or fucking are set aside for us to fucking feel like we're worth shit, right? ERG programs, all that. ERG yeah. programs and shit, right? So let's talk about this shit. Mm -hmm. So now, me and Jared, 
we're two black and brown business owners. We own a fucking company. I own three other companies other than this. Should I create a fucking WRG fucking program? How would that look like now if we employed ma majority black and brown people and I created a fucking WRG fucking program to oh, employ people? How would they feel about that? Because that's, uh -oh. some, fucking, that's some fucking bullshit. Nothing to get around this shit like let's let's hit this shit oh, no, my, my boy my boy trying to pop i gotta i gotta get that drink if you gonna go there i gotta get some soda if you're gonna do this That's fucking <laughs> the whole fucking erg shit is disrespectful in a fucking general if we were yes. based on fucking on 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 hiring the, the people that can de develop the company and can give us the best results then why the fuck are we creating a separate fucking black entity to acknowledge black people how many fucking black companies create a fucking white entity to, mm -hmm. to acknowledge motherfucking white people and mm -hmm. if they did would they consider that racist when you're doing the same motherfucking thing mm -hmm. let's talk about this shit for real he's talking yeah. sis i, I would love to hear that <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 hold on, I got to get a drink real quick. I put the school back. I'll be right back, y'all. Y'all, please continue. Y'all are killing me with these. <laughs> no, I think for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, with what's interesting is obviously ERGs have existed for years, right? Right. right. But what I do, there was an article that Forbes did, and this was like years ago, where I said, right. no, we don't need any ERGs. And this was right. at ABC. I was like, we don't need any ERGs if there's a committee of people then wanting to come together, right? right. That's yeah. one thing, but right. I think, <clears throat> so there's two sides to it. I think having a community of people with different backgrounds, whatever, that want to come together to, to drive impact, that's great, right? That's positive. Right. But also what I, what I always wanted, what I always wondered and wanted to see is okay. when we think about um, business owners, right? Minority business owners or, or folks from underrepresented groups, but specifically black business owners, how are these ERGs then contributing or driving the impact? And oftentimes there's no impact, right? right? We do see that organizations create these groups. And what I've always seen for a very long time was these groups functioning as like segregated groups. Thank it's, you. It's almost, and, and it's something that I think about often. I'm like, well, how can I help to bring break the mentality? Because a lot of DEI practitioners do believe in them. And I'm not saying that they are terrible, right? Because I do believe when there's a lack of representation within a group and people, you know, people want an environment where they feel this sense of belonging. Yeah. It feels good to still see your people and be in a group and vent to your group. Wait, wait, so, yeah, yeah. I got, I got, based on what you're saying, I got a, I got a comment from Instagram that I got to share with you. Yes, right? please. Somebody from Instagram, Instagram 1906 said, white folks have an ERG. It's called the C-suite. I motherfucking love it. I motherfucking love it. He said white folks have an ERG. It's called the C-suite. Listen, and it's a well-funded ERG. <laughs> it's a well-funded ERG. Is he wrong? It's not, it's not a struggling his name, his name is John Graham. That was a fucking amazing statement, yeah. John. I fucking love that statement. It's white true. folks have an ERG. It's called the motherfucking C-suite. It's true. It, Let it me is ask you a question, Netta. Do you believe in? Do you believe? Do you believe in? First of all, let's let's get the uh, fuck that. I'm ready to go today. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to pod. I, I love where you're going with it. I don't know what he, he's on. Some shit. When, first of all, I, be, I believe 
and and John Graham said, "Hey Netta, it's great to see you, love. Like it's just oh, a yeah. shout out to my brother John Graham, man. He is supporting you. He's on Instagram commenting. So let's talk about racism, of what the definition of racism is, because I think a lot of people don't even understand the true definition of fucking what racism is. Yeah, how about that? For me, for me, racism is um, a group of people that have control and power. They have a level of power that where they are able to pull the strings, essentially. Right. right. So oftentimes you hear people say, well, no, black people are racist. No, we're not. We can't. We can be prejudiced. We get right. all day and every day. Right. But when it comes to the systemic power and how the society has been created, it hasn't been structured for us to excel. It's been structured so that we are, you know, we're below. And that um, and that's an issue. Right. You know, but my you know, <laughs> what I want to say to that is this, right? When when we when we're talking about prejudice, right? We're talking about racism. Racism, first of all, starts with the love of your race and your culture. Let's talk about that. Racism can't exist unless you love your race and love your fucking culture. So when others, when other cultures and other fucking races are racist against us, what they're saying is we're inferior to their culture. We are inferior to their race. They love their culture. They love their race, but they feel like they don't like ours. So they're trying to protect themselves against us. Well, I, I, think, I think I think it's flipped around. I think what it is is yeah. people are fearful of the power that we possess. Because when you think about it, we're a group of people that have oh, been yeah. oppressed, right? We, we, it dates yeah. back to slavery. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you see, even with us being oppressed throughout yeah. centuries, we still know how to level up. We right. still know come, you know, come out of the gutter, right? Like we know how to make something out of, like that is something to be feared. No, I myself no, would be feared. It is. No, no, Method. It is, but even taking it back to the days of me reading the um, Mein Kampf, right? I didn't get a chance to read it fully, but I started reading the Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. It was his love of the, the what's called the Aryan, Aryan race. race. Aryan yes. nation, right? We're yeah. talking about why he started to extinguish the Jews of the true white person of the blonde hair, blue eyes. It was a very specific characteristic that differentiated white people from every other person in the world. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. It starts for a love of your technically what you consider your race is, right? Let me ask you a question. We love ourselves, right? It is clear as day that our culture loves ourselves. But what I find very difficult to understand is why we love ourselves so much, but we tolerate so much fucking disrespect from everybody else. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, when we get in a position where we can now change and we can now do for each other and do and change the rules and the regulations of how we do things, we don't. We don't. We, we, we conform back to the old. Say it again, Jared. We do what? We conform back to the oppressive mindset. There you go. Talk to us, We have been trained not to to feel proud about right. ourselves. Right. We have been trained to to yeah. think less of each other. Yes. We have been also trained to be disconnected. Right. So, um, and so when you have a group of people that have been trained in that way, it's very mindset, it's a very, very hard thing to shift. Yes. Right. Even even behavioral psychology, that's a very, it's a very hard thing to shift behavior. And so, you know, in just like thinking about that, people are stuck. 
just the other day, just yesterday, right? I'm building a business. Literally tears came out of my, my eyes. I was like, I'm tired, right? But I started to think about, there's a lot of other diversity officers that I know within these large, big enterprises. All they have to do is say, Netta, you're doing this. Yeah. We have a little pool. We have a little bit of budget. Yeah. We are taking your application that you built and that's it. Like if all of them, and I know a lot of them, right. mm-hmm. tears came down my eyes because I was like, damn, there's very little that is willing to support in that way. Message. So, you know, when so when I think about it, I go back to like, but damn, my people are still oppressed. Absolutely. Mindset oppressed, you know? And, and even for me, you know, I, I always push myself because there's always work that we can all be doing on, on ourselves. And that's how come I always say, okay, Netta, what are you doing for someone else as well? Right. How are you amplifying someone else's business? How are you amplifying someone else's voice? How are you pouring right back into your own Black community? Like, what, what are you doing, you know, to ensure that? But it, but it hurts. It hurts because we are disconnected. You see it within organizations, Absolutely. right? Being in corporate America, I saw it. I saw where, okay, there's maybe two of us at the top and the person barely wanted to talk to me. Like, yeah. sister, I don't even want your job. I want you to win, right? Yeah. But at the same time, the, mess, the oppressive mindset is like, but damn, there's only room for one of us. We know how this goes and I need my job and I need my coin, so I'm going to keep it. Yeah. So just, just, that's the problem. Yeah, we just put that quote up. John Graham, once again from Instagram, because he's fucking pardoned too. He said, look up social dominance theory. We just put up SDT, which is social dominance theory. It's a theory of social and intergroup relations that focuses on how people develop hierarchy, right? Supporting belief structures as a support for institutional dominance. Mm. It right, and it is as deep. It supports the actions who's likely to hold such attributes, how they come to do so, and how the ramifications for thought and action. That's mm. so powerful. Thank you, John, for even shout out to bro. Shout to big bro. Thank you, John. Here's the thing, Netta. We are so fucking programmed to not believe in ourselves. We are so programmed to not love on ourselves. We are so programmed to not celebrate ourselves that we think that the mere fucking just thought of us celebrating and 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 and, and developing this fucking attitude, yo, we did something positive, is is fucking heresy. Is is you understand? It's yeah. like don't don't you dare celebrate an accomplishment. Don't you dare celebrate a fucking. You know what I'm saying? And so if we're not celebrating it for ourselves, how can I celebrate it for my brother, Jared? How can I celebrate it for my sister, Netta? Because if I don't believe in myself, how the fuck can I believe in you? Well, no, no, no. I disagree with that a little bit because some people are celebrating for themselves. They don't pour pour back into their community. They don't pour back into their people. So I know a lot of, and so I I keep on positioning the chief diversity. They're very successful. Some okay. of them are extremely successful, okay. but I don't see that pour back. I don't see that connection. It's, oh, well, yeah, right. she has this platform. You're on your own when you right. have the power. It doesn't even take anything away. Right. When you have the power to pour in, you know? And so that for me, like, that's the hard part. It's just okay. like, damn. So we're in position of power, but we still are not willing to support and help. That part. Like the ego part. is still there. That <laughs> you know? And um it, let me ask you a question, Netta. Is it considered ego if you if you if you're still working off the theory of we are still programmed in a certain mindset based on generational subliminal 
programming? Is it ego or is it the basis of subliminal programming showing through? I think it's everything. <laughs> All of the above is everything. A, B, C, and D, and you click E, right? It's all of the above. Let me click all of them. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all the above. You know, ego, definitely ego plays a huge part. Because I think when people do get to a certain position, making a certain amount of money, we get it within our community, right? Like, I was thinking just the other day, I was talking to my husband about BET. I'm like, can you imagine the type of shows we could have or could have had on there? Like, what happened? Right. You know, like what happened? There's so many creators, even back then, a right. lot of creators. We don't need to have bogus shows. We could have amazing, right? Right. What happened? You know, so it, it, there's, That's real. It, it, it's just, it's, yeah. it really saddens me because slavery has done some work. I mean, like the oppressive, yeah. and I call it the oppressive mindset, like the oppressive mindset yeah. is real. Absolutely. It, it is so, so real. And, um, I just pray to God that that one day we can heal from that. As you say that, sis, you know what? Yeah. One question that was in the back of my mind, and we asked Dr. Janice to shout to sis, right? Yeah. Dr. Dr. Janice, she came on. Yeah. Since your since your time in in the space and corporate, right, and seeing and fighting and advocating for DEI, what is the one change that you've seen happen? across organizations? What's the one thing that we can hold our hat on? Because personally for me, I haven't seen it. I felt like I haven't seen change at the level I was at. Yeah, honestly. Keep it real. <laughs> I have, I, if yeah. I'm keeping it real, I haven't seen the change. And this is why I developed my, my platform. Mm. No, because I was just, I was tired of it always being Black people trying to do the work. It's always like the few people in the organizations oh, that, you know, oh, that Marine, the few, um, the many. Driving, <laughs> yeah, a few, right? Like trying to drive the inequities and, and cure and solve and we tie it and we're killing ourselves at the same time and we're tired yeah. and you know what I mean? And so for me, it was like, how can we democratize and quantify this work? Because at the end of the day, these leaders want to see, again, they're talking money, they're thinking dollar signs, right? So how can they see the business impact, but how can their people could also take this work? Mm. To, to drive the impact that they want to see, whether it be from retention or new customer acquisition or whatever, you know, that that goal is for the organization. But mm -hmm. it has to it has to be everyone. It can't just be the small little ERG or the the, the few. Yeah. So as you said, a good segue was tell us about how you came up with the platform. Right. And tell us, like, how you got in touch with the platform. Right. Because you knew that was your purpose. How did you get in touch with the platform? Did you develop it? Did you go into a company? Tell us that story, Cisco. I'm pretty sure audience is, is curious. Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> came from a large uh, out of a large organization doing DEI work. Uh -huh. Got into an organization that focuses on codeless architecture. And for me, it went back to what my parents said. You can Wait, do it. Do. Is that codeless architecture? Codeless architecture. So we, essentially, <clears throat> real quick, I just want you to explain because we are a video portion, but a lot of this goes out audio, audio. for the yeah. listeners that don't understand. Can you explain to them what DEI actually means so that they can follow along with what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. So I had folks. So formally in in a large organization that I was working in, I was focused on diversity, equity, inclusion. You, you know, go. really driving and you know solving for inequities. There we go. This. Okay. And then I had moved into a smaller organization that focuses on financial technology. Okay. And they focus on codeless architecture. So 
in the most simplest form with codeless architecture, you don't have to be an engineer to build on their platform. Right. It's almost like drag and drop. Can be complicated, but you can still do it, right? <clears throat> so I found that very attractive and that's why I joined the company because I wanted to build. I knew I didn't have all the funds in the world to go and create my own thing. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I build on their platform, see if I can take this to market, see what this does for me, right? I started to strategize. Um, <clears throat> so I started to build, I reached out to some engineers from the company. Again, it goes back to building those relationships, relationships. right? Not hiding yeah. <laughs> in my little box. And they supported and they helped me. And we developed a tool that democratizes and essentially operationalizes inclusion efforts throughout the organization mm. so that an organization can see the business impact, <clears throat> but also people can see the damn impacts in real time through your actions. You can see what's happening throughout the organization and how you've, how you've actually impacted the organization. Mm. And so develop that the organization ended up winning an $8 million RFP. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm like, why you do that? I'm gonna give you an air horn. Why you clap your thumbs? I got you. <laughs> I got you, sir. I got you. Sir. Y'all are a little bit. <clears throat> so the organization ended up winning an eight million dollar RFP. Within the hearing, they said what set this organization apart from the rest was due to the insights from this application. <clears throat> and so from the insights, I was able to say, here's the percentage of people that are working on this, these types of goals. Here's the impact that has been driven. Because we're working on these goals, it's now leading right back into new customer acquisition. So the business could actually start to see how it's impacting. <clears throat> now, once they won that RFP, the CEO was like, wait, hold on. Netta, can we talk a little bit more about this platform? Absolutely. So he started to dabble in it. I also made sure that the platform was gamified. So it's a fun experience um, as well. People could see the, you know, the measurable impact and yeah. of their efforts. And so the CEO last January called me up on his on my cell phone. He said, Netta, <clears throat> what you're doing is beyond this organization. You have to do this on your own. I was like, wait, are you firing me? Because I actually like working at the organization. He said, what you're doing is like even beyond, right? Like he, he even saw the value. And um, and so what he said, I said, are you firing me? He said, no, I'm, I want to invest in you. He went ahead and he invested half a million and it's my own platform. You, so you never hear of someone working. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, no, we're not going to go past that, sis. That doesn't happen every day. We're going to give you a second to breathe, sis. And we're going to give you a motherfucking bell with that, too. Because you're taking them to school now. You got the investment from the CEO based on the relationships you built. And you already took initiative. You wasn't reactive. You was proactive. You added, saw, you saw a solution that needed to be made. And you made the relations with the developers and created this program. And the CEO acknowledged it told him so much to the point where he's giving you an investment as an extension of the business. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel not like an extension of the business. Okay. No, an extension of the business. No. Your own. I feel like the CEO just was straight up like. You got to listen to him. You learn something. Something from her, up, like, <laughs> yeah, she knows, like, you gotta listen to, to Netta because she knows what the fuck she's talking about, and we, we got to follow that. That is amazing. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. The other thing, too, is they saw, um, they saw the following, they saw how I was also pushing my content, and I was not fearful of that. You know, he was even supportive. There was, um, yeah. a post that I did a couple years back that ended up getting 
want over 25 million views, Damn. 500, almost like 600,000 comments. <clears throat> comments. 600,000 comments? Well, you can go and check it. It's, a, it's on my featured um, right now on LinkedIn. Right. Was, and let me, when I tell you I got death threats, people were saying, ah, because I had said it was after the, the storming of the Capitol. Yeah, right. I use the term white supremacist, <clears throat> and people came out the woodworks. Yeah, yeah, you need to be murdered, you and all types of stuff. And um, they even started to reach out to the CEO, and he was not having it. He was not having it. He was like, "No, nah, like people are not going to disrespect you like that." People were calling him, telling him oh, she needs to leave this organization. She, you know, she shouldn't be a part of it. So he, <clears throat> I really respect him, you know, for for his stance and and who he is just as a as a person. But yeah, he went ahead and he invested and uh and it's my own thing. And I'm I'm grinding it. Shout, shout out to that man for not folding into the pressure and caving in and really seeing what it was. Like that is so difficult, sis. Oh my God. That is so real to have that type of level of support. That's crazy and tremendous anomaly. And when we're talking about the zero, 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 zero point one percent. I don't think anyone has probably experienced nope. it. No, not happen every day. It doesn't happen every month. That is definitely an anomaly. And I just want to shout you. out to the CEO for having the courage to actually be a real one. Oh. So know what he was feeling. That's what's yeah. up. I respect definitely, a good, definitely, definitely a good person. Um, and let me tell you this. You know, before yeah. I joined the organization, I told him and I told a board member, I said, I'm yeah. going to create a product that will be one of the biggest products in the world. And they both looked at me like, well, we just hired you as VP of Global Inclusion. You're focused on product and engineering, you know? But for me, I knew from the beginning I joined that organization, what I was going to do. <laughs> like I, I, I knew, it, and I was very specific and strategic, even my direct reports, I said, we're gonna start to build a platform. They're like, huh? Like, Neto, we're building a platform? I was like, we're going to spend our time building this platform because it's gonna be successful. One of my direct reports <clears throat> brought her on board as director of customer success. He was just an associate level person, you know? And so that's the other thing. Like, I think organizations, a lot of these corporations lose out on such talented people because they don't get the time. They don't take the time to know them. Like, this is people I've ever met in my life. Talk yeah. about, and what, what are we? We are more than an effing title, sis. Yeah. They're not going to see us and think we're just sales. We're just marketing. We're just fucking associates. We are more if you bring us to the table. Yeah, exactly. And so for the D, you know, within the DEI space, it was it was hard because I see a lot of other DEI leaders like just stuck within these corporate spaces, you know, kind of everyone else is pulling the strings like you never hear you never hear a senior leader say, well, all right, uh, the, the, the CFO volunteers come weigh in on this conversation. Hell no. But they will do that with DEI with a DEI leader. With a chief mm -hmm. diversity officer, yeah, ERGs weigh in. Oh yes, entire company weigh in on the strategy. Who does that? So they're not even treating it, you know, it's like, a real, like it's a real business, thing. a real arm of the business. Yeah, it's like it's a real arm of the business. So I was like, all right, so we we need to be very strategic. Like if I'm going to be in this role, then I need to be very strategic about us treating it like a business, and for me to see impact. I mean, even the type of budget that that they had set me up with when I joined there the organization. I was going there next because Jared always says that. Jared's uh -huh. like, yo, the ERG, the marketing team will get 100000 the fucking ERG will get 5000 Yeah. 
<coughs> Here's you want to know something? When I had joined that, right, right. When I had joined that organization, and this was at the height when the organization was was doing really well. Yeah, they received it was twenty thousand dollars per ERG. <laughs> the budget that I had, I managed the PNL. You know, I like I could manage a PNL. So like. <laughs> But again, again, and I don't even say that to brag, but like a part of it too was, and it goes back to what you were saying. It stems from that period in my life where I I didn't I stayed silent at seven years old watching that phlegm drip, you know, like it it, and I know I know you're wild up, and now you're gonna have me like upset. Yeah, I'm pissed off. I'm pissed. He's pissed. You're out of control. He's out of control. You're all out of control. This whole damn pod's out of control. Wait, Meta. I'm, I'm sorry. With the spit, hold on, hold on. Like this. With the spit, I would look at it and be like, "If I raise up, gonna be trouble." If I raise up, it's gonna be. Well, let me tell you. But let me tell you, it's a blessing. Like, right. and, and it goes back to. I hate that that moment happened, but at the okay. same time, it's a blessing. It's a blessing okay. in disguise because I've been able to, I remember, there's not a day that goes by that I don't remember that incident, okay. right? Mm. And so I use that incident as fuel to power me because if if I really want to drive a level of impact, whether it be for my family, for my generation, for my, for my society, whatever, yeah. I, there are things, there are certain things that I'm going to need to do, right? There's right. certain barriers that I'm going to have to overcome as well. And so I'm like, you know what? It was, uh, it was the most painful, one of the most painful. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know the word to describe it. Like, right, it was right, painful. right. Literally, and I, this is how I know it's painful. Right. I right. share it every time. This, I probably shared this story like over a hundred times, right? Okay. But I share it over and over because it's a way for me to like almost heal in light ways, but I use that as a fuel. Um, and, and I always say like, we have to be strategic, whether we're in corporate America, <clears throat> not every one of us are gonna have businesses. I heard a stat the other day, um, this guy had said, I think he said like 97% of black founders can't even hire. Like, oh, like wow. can't even hire. So like, if we can't wow. even hire a team, then how are we going to break the gap? Right. Mm. So I need to scale. I need to build this business so I can actually hire and I can pour back into my people or else it's always going to be, you know, a lot of businesses you hear from us. It's always just a few of us doing it. Right. It's oh, yeah. Me, me and my person, my partner, we're doing everything. It can't be that way. Like we mm. have to scale. But if we don't have the funding, we don't have the support. It's very hard. If we're not pouring back to each other in each other, it's very hard. It's okay. almost impossible. Absolutely. But what, what kind of impact I'm curious is because we've seen, especially in the last couple of six months, especially with the Harvard young lady, right? Right. A lot of diversity and inclusion people to see, you know, the chief diversity officers are losing their jobs at a, an alarming rate because they cannot justify the amount or, you know, they can't quantify what the role is. Right. Budgets are going down. We're losing revenue. What are the first things we're going to lose? We're going to lose this little arm of the business right here because we don't really understand it like that. So how does the platform help them do that? Yeah. So again, what it what it does is if an organization, we go in with a strategy, we ask the organization, what does business impact? A lot of people don't even know what business impact means when you ask that. When you ask them, right? For some organizations, they'll say, no, oh, it's retention. No, no, no. You don't care about retention because when I look on Glassdoor, everybody rolled out of your your organization. (laughs) It's not retention. What is it really? Like, be honest. 
And they say, oh, we want more proposal success or proposal RP wins or we want new customer acquisition or so whatever it is, whatever it is from a business impact that they're looking to solve for. Mm -hmm. We take that and we start to customize specific micro goals that every single person within the organization can work on. Mm-hmm. As they're working on it, it's gamified. So they get to see the impact of their efforts in real time. So now they're motivated by it because they can see, okay, <clears throat> by me taking this particular action, I just impacted the business in this way. Now I can put it in my performance review. Now here's how I'm going to be recognized, right? So it's it's this whole 360 a cycle that they get to get to experience. And as a leader, they can pop in there anytime. They don't have to go to HR or the chief diversity officer or whoever <clears throat> to see the activity. They can go in and see the impact of their business and, and what's happening. It's just so hard to get a big organization to buy in and actually implement something like that at a large scale. As you as you know, you, you, as you know, like you know, if I go in and say a big corporate corporation, they have the the training, the training module. They have this. They have a certain way to do sales. They have a certain way to do marketing, things like that. And adding a new tool to a large right. organization, it takes at least six months to even just train and implement properly. Yeah, well, enterprise SaaS. Yeah, it takes about like you know two those, and you you know very well, but very strategic about that as well. So I we integrate with over two hundred plus HRIS systems. Mm. So, <clears throat> this is not a standalone prop uh, platform. In fact, when I market it, I even say like this could be an API for your HR system. There you, you know? go. So there you go. But wait, wait, but wait. When we talk about an API for your HR system, are we talking about a true integration? A true integration. integration? Or are we talking about check off the fucking box when you have to spend this kind of money for this type of training or something no, like true. that? No, 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 no. Wait, wait. Because we know there's a big difference, right? A lot of companies do training ERG and they do a lot of things to check off a fucking box because it's mandatory training and stuff like that. Or is this a true integration to say, let us show you how to grow and let us show you how to build in this so area? This is, <clears throat> so when I say integration, I'm talking okay. about integration from a technical standpoint. Oh, right, right. We, so an API, that's more of a technical term, right? But essentially it's what will connect seamlessly to the HR system so it's so they're not feeling like oh this is a standalone tool or all the excuses it's no single sign on it's it's connected to everything else that you have going on yeah so it makes it easy um going back to your original question though is <clears throat> no <laughs> right this is not a, 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 an erg based platform this is not oh make yourself feel good in fact when i market it this is not even a dei tool I, you know, I market it as a inclusive performance platform. Mm. So you want to drive inclusive efforts, but you want to see your business impact. This is the tool that will do that. This is not the tool that will, oh, it's just, it feels good. We're doing something. It's also not just check the box, right? So, um, and it's an enterprise, it's enterprise SaaS. So I'm talking to Fortune 500 organizations that have the funds, you know, to implement this. And I'm I'm really proud. You know, I, I brought on even a nonprofit organization that was like, no. And I told them it's a six-figure platform. They did not budge. Mm. It's a nonprofit, you know, whereas, whereas um, you know, Fortune 500, sometimes you'll hear them, oh, well, we don't have the budget. We don't have the money. But when, you know, what I'm learning as well through sales is when you know that your platform or whatever you're selling or your product has value, you cannot lower that. When I started this, a part of me was, oh, let me, let me, you know, let me tweak my prices 
so that I can just get into these organizations. And a lot of people, a lot of mentors that I have of all races were like, don't do that. When I tell you pricing was one of the hardest things, and that's, it goes back to the oppressive mindset. Right. <laughs> we are all functioning in that. <laughs> me and David, right? It went back to, to me identifying, well, Neta, like, what is your value? Like, so if you're saying there was one woman in the beginning that said to me, <clears throat> she said, I can't see you getting more than $2, a white woman, I can't see you getting more than $2 per user. $2. When I heard that, <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> and so I, I laughed. I you, you ever heard one of those laughs and then someone watch you laugh? I laughed so hard because yeah. I thought it was the funniest thing. I said, oh, God, Molly, her own insecurity. So your worth is $2.50 and you want to tell me <laughs> that this can't. I said, okay, yeah, the same person, <clears throat> the organization now has that six-figure dollar platform that was only $2. Message. So and it goes back to, and I'm not going to try to act like doing sales is easy because the Lord knows. Just the other day I was crying. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, when is this going to close? Oh my gosh, I need this to close for this month. What's going on? But what I keep on sticking to is Netta, you have a greater purpose. You believe, you believe in this product and you know that it can drive impact. Don't you let anyone let you lower death, lower down that price. You keep on shooting for that star. And so that that's what I'm doing. I'm just keeping my head in the game. I love that shit. Message. I want to go to product focuses because they don't want to keep it on you. But what is, if you don't mind sharing, what's a good case study? What's something that made your heart, what gave you a warm and fuzzy when you tore the product and see a company implemented in a way? What are like, what are the, what is the one good story that you can mind sharing with? Gosh, there's, there's so many stories. I like, I always go back to just seeing that, you know, like the organization when I would, that I was testing and winning $8 million RFP. And in the hearing, them stating specifically, specifically what set this organization apart from the rest was due to the inclusion efforts. And it was all of the insights put in from, from the platform. Like that, when I when I think about that, that's what gives me the strength to talk to a lot of these organizations that may have, oh, we have all of these other tools. Oh, we don't need it. But I always ask them, I said, your employees don't want to go in any of your tools. Like I've been doing the research and I ask people. Is there any tool that you like to go into when you were working at a corporation or even now? People say none, including oh. myself. <laughs> you know, like, so like, I'm like, don't waste your money on a tool that is boring, that doesn't work. Get with Aerodyne. It's fun. It's exciting. People can see the, the, the impact of their efforts. I always say, if I'm working on a project, I can't see the impact of my efforts. I'm not going to be excited to continue. Message. It's like being in a relationship. You, you don't see no impact. Like, you're just like, wait, wait like, why? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm not seeing no progression here. You know, and that's why, honestly, that's why a lot of the narrative that's taking place right now, Elon Musk, he can come out boldly and say, D, I don't work because you know what? It ain't working. Mm. It's not working, you know? And so organizations also, if they really want, 
to see impact, or even if they don't want to see impact, then they really need a tool that is going to show them that. Uh, then you just brought up something, Elon Musk. I'll just, one quick, I just want one quick question. No, for you. I, I think we go in the same place. We go in the same place. I think we go. What the we change? There we go. What would we change if what you had a choice change? minus the tool? What would we change to we make AI place, more effective? We go in the same place, bro. What would we change to be more effective? <clears throat> really, I think what it comes down to again, and it's hard because I always go yeah. back to the tool, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of these organizations want to see the business impact. And the reason why I'm thinking that way is you, both of you are business owners, yeah, right? Sure. You need, in order for your organization to grow, what do you need? Revenue, leads. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> y'all, you know, y'all are not in the business of not making Wait, any time out. Well, so, I got to play devil's advocate. When we mm -hmm. say grow, grow is not, growth is not one um, specific um standard are we talking growth economically as far as the financial um for okay but that is not I, our determination just so we clear our determination for this company outside the box digital is not based on our economic growth it's based on our impact on our community you see the difference Message. well that's amazing right but in order for you to continue to do this you need people you need funds that's it listen listen i love the purpose i think like the purpose is amazing like many right. of us are fighting for that but at the end of right. the day we can't continue to do work for free but that's not true we not to sustain that, that is not true that is not true we are doing this podcast and jared has said several times that he came down and sat on his couch and did this there's a big difference right we can do this podcast we can go back to work i don't have a job jared don't have a job we both left prominent six-figure jobs high six-figure jobs to do this to grow it to a monetize monetization level we could actually go back to work get an income that can sustain our lifestyle and do this for free because all Thanks. it takes is the equipment that we already have we don't have to upgrade it. We can still give back to our community. We can still get the message out and do this as a hobby instead of a full-time job to create generational wealth. And we can do this for free. But wouldn't you want to be able to do this if if this is, let's say you could do it forever. Would this Correct. be the thing you would want to do forever? No, I'm, I'm not saying it's not. But what I'm saying is two things can always be true. Yeah. We can absolutely still do this show for free without profiting one penny as of a course. hobby as i would give back solely to the community of and course. not profit one penny from it and still get our message out we can actually do that mm -hmm. so I, I i disagree in the sense that people can still do things and not profit from it and still do it but so to as an agency as a company now we're having a different conversation right so that's not what I'm saying. People, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Right. Definitely. Right. right. We all, you know, there's, there's many things that we're working on. Right. Like my mom has a volunteering. She has right. a, a nonprofit, right? Right. Right. Doesn't really make any money. Right. But, right. but I'm invested in that. I, I pour right. into We're that. Right. Right? Just what does it do? It pours right back into our community. Right. But also, and I think you're, we're both saying the same thing. Right. Sure. Right. Right. You know, like we also also have to be able to sustain. And right. so when I look back at a lot of these people, like at the end of the day, these folks don't care about us. Oh. We, we see it, right? Yes. Right. So at the end of the day, they're looking for them. They're thinking, OK, what what is the business impact? And now there's a few people that 
I will say, let me let me go back. There are a few people that really do care, right? There, there's some people that care, they're pouring in, they're fighting for the community. And I think that's a beautiful thing. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that's, hey, okay, well, well, what is the impact? That's how come we see many DEI leaders within corporate America losing their jobs. Absolutely. If, it, if it was, oh, we're coming from a place of care, they would have their jobs. If it was, oh, we're coming from a place of where we want to make sure we're increasing representation and there's economic growth within the Black population, then we would care. If it was from, oh, we care about sustainability so much, then we wouldn't have the landfills right next to the hoods. You know what I mean? Like, if it was from a place of care, we would not be struggling. And so that's what I'm talking about. It's it goes back. It goes back to business impact. I agree with both of y'all real quick. And right. I want to make impact. And I also got we got to pay some bills. We'll be right back. <laughs> with that being said, we got right. hoodies, beanies. We got cups. We got mugs. What else is going to keep your, your yak cold while you listen to a two hour podcast? Wait, wait. Or, your, or your tea hot or your tea hot for two or hours. Or your tea hot. But That's guess what? We want to make impact. We might not be able to make impact unless you make a purchase, <laughs> like Meta said. So make sure you get that cute scan your QR code in five, four, three, two. There we go. There we go, though. Meta, I'm with you, right? So amazing. I'm, Y'all are I'm amazing. With you, right, Meta? Look at me. I'm, I'm with you, Queen. I'm just trying to show you something, right? It brings me back all the way 180 degrees to the original motherfucking statement that I said initially. If, if, why the fuck do we have DEI? any fucking way. You understand what I'm saying? And the, I hear you. the actual creation of DEI is the phlegm to the fucking face. It's a spit in our fucking face. It sounds like you were watching my TEDx talk. Queen, I'm with you. Queen, because Queen, I'm with you. The actual fucking creation of DEI spitting in our fucking face. If the job, what, let me ask you a question, Queen. Most, most jobs, we not new jobs. We're talking regular jobs. The format of a job is based on what? Education and experience. If I'm wrong, stop me there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most jobs requ- most jobs that are prominent jobs actually prefer the education over the experience. Stop me if I'm wrong there. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> now, so now that we're talking about it, so if the motherfucking job is based on education, if somebody understanding the smarts of what it is to do the job or having the ability to do the job, then why does it fucking matter what color I am? Can I do the fucking job or can I not do the fucking job? So now when you create these DEI programs, what you're saying off the bat is you're we're fucking inferior. What you're saying is we have to create special programs to give you special privileges just to catch you up to where everybody else is. It's a spit in the fucking face just to create that fucking program. You know, I think what makes it really hard, because when I think about the reason I why I got into this work, it was I saw so many of the inequities existing. I saw the, the very few people uh, that were black or brown suffering, and it was all right, I can tell they're voiceless or they're just trying to keep their paycheck to provide for their family. And I get that, right? Because that's real. But I also was like, okay, well, how can I step in and be a voice? And I think there is a good amount of chief diversity officers or whatever we want to call them out there that do come from that stance. It's, we see the gaps. They, they, you know, they want to be able to solve, but we also know of the barriers that exist, right? And it goes back to what you were saying, it's it's creating this bucket that that folks can't even expand from. That's 
Absolutely. you know, which, which, which is hard. It becomes challenging. And so I always kind of go back and forth, back and forth with it. It's, Hey, how do I continue to fight the good fight? And at the same time, give the respect to those that are really also trying to fight the good fight, but they're, they're being blocked and there's a barrier. And so I don't want to just totally kick DEI in the butt, right? Because there's so many people that I know that are really, really like dedicated in fighting um, to see, to see some level of change. But at the same time, I hear you, I hear you. It's, it's hard because it's like, wait, what, what, what change is taking place? You know? Um, Can I ask you a million dollar question, sis? And, and I want to first, before I start, ask you this question, shout out to my sister, Kelly Fuller. She's yeah. the one who introduced us to make this episode happen, right? Yeah. I met Kelly when I was at Talkwalker. I was one of two Black employees out of 339 people. Lord Jesus. I was the only African-American brother in that office. And guess what? Kelly was one of the only people that saw my potential saw the worth, was sitting there fighting for me, championing for me, and all these things. And like, what you see with Kelly is what you get. So if you listen to Kelly, you know you know I love you. You know what I mean? Straight up and down. And but let me I, 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 oh, please. You want to continue? I just amplify that. Kelly is amazing. Kelly has also oh. supported me. She is focused on sales and partnerships with Aerodye. I mean, she's just been anything Kelly sees. She's like, Netta, no, I'm assigning you up for this. And so big shout out to Kelly. The, the truth, the truth. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give a horn, I'm gonna give a horn real quick. I gotta yeah. give a horn. <laughs> the truth, you know Kelly, what I'm saying? Kelly. But, but how, how do we identify good allyship? And that's the million dollar question I have for some people like Kelly, it's, it just exudes or you, you just know what it is, right? You mm. feel it, it's an energy. It's like, you know, she's not faking the motherfucking funk. Mm. But there's so many people that are, and mm -hmm. how do we identify good allyship to promote and move further what we're trying to, you know? What we're yeah, trying to do. it's hard. Well, I'll I'll be the first to say, you know, in working in corporate America, I was guarded. I mm. would talk to people, and this was earlier on in my career. I don't want to talk to anyone. I had my little yeah. attitude, you know. Exactly. But it really also took me saying, "All right, well, you can't look at everyone that way." That's the reality. Like you have to, at some point, build relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you start to kind of open up, you get to learn about people's stories, like and learning about Kelly's story makes sense. <laughs> like, Crazy. You know, like Kelly's upbringing, her experiences, like she's always been connected to brown and black people. Right. right? Like that, that, that is her community. And so that's all she knows. Like, hey, how, how do I make sure that I hone in? How do I make sure I learn? How do I make sure I'd be better? How do I make sure that I support um, so when you start learning about people's backgrounds, you get to like really understand, okay, th this person's coming from, you know, the, the right side. Yep, a genuine, like, they're not doing exactly. this just to make themselves feel good, you know, and it goes back even to the CEO, you know, that invested in me, like yep. before he even did that, you know, with that post that went out and went viral and he had a whole bunch of people telling him, Hey, kick her out of the organization. Did he do that? No. In fact, he called me to check on me. Ned, I want to just check and make sure you're okay. Mm. Who does that? You know what I mean? Not and so I'm not saying like people are perfect, right? <laughs> like that means people can continue working on themselves, yeah. but you get to identify and see who's for you. And I think about that HR person that I you spoke with to, to connect and, and connect with the CEO. She's someone that is still in my corner. In fact, she's the one who got me on the board of Betterment. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like she's still in my corner until this day, checking on me and my kids, not even wondering, oh, how can I get involved in business now? Ned, I just want to make sure you're okay. 
how can I connect you? She's brought me in so much business. You know, so when you when you start to see, I, I can name a whole bunch of people like that. Like I like her though. I like her. Mm -hmm. I'm like, when I hear stories like that, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, You're yeah. like, oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah. yeah There's so many people, so many people. There was another, there's a woman, um, she was um, an attorney at one of the large organizations I used to work for. Mm -hmm. And um, she, it was funny because she had sent me, I had sent her an email. She sent me one back trying to like kind of check me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I checked her back and she, she knew like, okay, all right, this is, <laughs> this is a little different, but we connected instantly from there. She was like, I have never had a white woman. She's like, I've never had someone like be so direct with me. Well, today is the day. Still to this day, we're connected. No, <laughs> literally. I'm scared of you, sis. I ain't gonna lie to you. I can imagine you in the boardroom. I'm scared of you. Jay, Jay, she said, Oh, you sent that email? I just looked at my watch. I got, I got time, time today. Day, I got time today. Oh, you want to go back and forth on the email? I got time today, girl. You're gonna get this work. Let me tell you, Chad, Chad, it goes back to that experience. It goes back to the very experience. I, there's so many in emails I cannot even I can't even I lost count. No, I think I've been, I've had the courage to then check. Yeah. Nope, no, I'm not going to let this go unchecked. I no, had absolutely. a guy at the same level. We were both at VP level. He went, he was upset with how uh, one of my workshops went. Okay. And instead of just directly saying, hey, I would have liked this implemented, he went to senior executive, like some of the executives. Now, if I was new to that company, that would have hindered my progress in that organization. It would have hindered my food, the food that I place on the table for my children, right? right? I, I checked him. I had to check him so hard in an email and I looped the same people right back into it. Yeah. To um, let him know, okay, I have the relationships here, but see, you thought something was sweet and he had just joined the organization, right. you know? So I think, we just have to not let things go unchecked. Let's. I mean, I'm just curious. Culture of the person, Rick. You know, put it out there. Huh? Culture. Oh, culture. Yeah. oh. Same culture, different culture. Oh, different culture. I keep it real. You know why I said that? You know why I said that? Because <laughs> because if we're gonna. <laughs> If we, see the thing about having open conversation, Netta. I love this shit. You gotta stop the fucking bullshit. Stop the fucking candy apple shit. Stop the, the cradling shit. A lot of the times we face a lot of adversity. A lot of the times we face a lot of conflict because other cultures don't understand our fucking culture. Mm -hmm. And what we deem disrespectful, they look at as just everyday talk. I don't call it disrespectful. Okay. It's not disrespectful. Okay. It's not they do it all day long in corporate. No, that's right. right. That's per what I'm saying. Email, it's always per my email da, 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 right. or some sexy right. language. Right. The right. same stance. It's right. This is I. All that I'm doing as a right. leader, as well, is addressing the fact that we could have had a conversation together. Yeah, not coming off angry. I'm right. I'm angry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not coming off angry. <laughs> I'm not an angry woman. <laughs> but but at the yeah. same. I'm, I'm also, I, I have to address it, right? And, right? and as a leader or anyone, I don't care what right. level you're at, you have to stand up for, for what you believe in. I, I can't allow for someone that just joined the organization to then go around. And, and essentially what they're trying to do is hinder my progress, hinder right. my career. Like that, that is a shot to my livelihood. Right. 
So again, the way that I come up, come go about it has to be very strategic. And, and that's how I was. I said, Hey, you know, this, this cannot happen. How can yeah. we make sure like, what yeah. are next steps? How can we ensure that this won't happen? We're both peers. We get yeah. to have a conversation together and that's called a microaggression. That's actually called an aggression, right? So I started to train him. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Well, now you know what a next step is going to be. We'll always make sure that we communicate. I'll always make sure that I communicate with you. You, Jared, we can't hear you. Uh, my fault. I must have muted on this. Okay. <laughs> our, our sister, Kim Williams, right? She's the CMO of Usher's New Look Foundation, right? Yeah. She came yeah. on and said the same thing. as It's about microaggressions and things like yeah. that, moving up in corporate. And, and Hey just said, do you not fear being labeled angry black, black woman? Because even when you come off a certain way, yeah. Whether it's, it's nice, it's nice, nasty, however we want to put it, yeah. it's still going to be labeled a specific way. Eric, so I, I, I love silence. that you've been able to get it. I was silence. <laughs> I was I was the lamb, you was fucking. I was seven years old and I was silent. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't continue to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> page, yes. But, yes. but it's about the approach. It's about the approach, right? The approach, like, so I'm not coming off, hey, Listen, you know, I'm not yelling and, and, and coming off like that. I'm, I'm sending a nice little email, the same email that was sent, because he right. could he could be the angry person. Right? <laughs> like, um, but but it was all about my approach. I just had to tell him, hey, that's not the way that we we should do things here. And really? what was interesting, again, because I had built those relationships and he had sent that email to executives, they looped him right back to me. Have a conversation. You see, so you see the 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 three sixty loop when people respect you, mm. and that respect only came from me having a voice. Right. Like there were times, there were many times. I can't lie to you. There were many times where I wanted to be silent. There were many times I was fearful. There were many times, even sometimes when I speak up, I'm like, oh crap, I'm not gonna leave. It's my opportunity. Like, but I really need my job and my and my money right now. You know, there were many times, but you have to you have to still stand up for yourself. So give a baby message. You know, Tiffany said, I struggle with that working in corporate and having to reset and express myself where it doesn't come off as the angry black woman. I feel like she's absolutely right because I feel like the stereotypical model that they like to put on any fucking black woman that has an opinion that shows her intelligence that will not be fucking stepped on and disrespected has to be angry why do i have to be angry if i know my value why do i have to be angry if i meet all the prerequisites that you fucking put in front of me to get this job and then i'm saying if you gave me this job let me do my fucking job properly yeah and i think you know going back to tiffany's comment and thank you for that tiffany um yeah. i had to also like lean on other people as well. Like yeah. I had to be okay with leaning on other people because, you know, you don't want to have to always be the one talking. So my allies, or we can call them whatever we want to call them, sponsors, yeah. they were also knowledgeable in seeing when yeah. there were inequities existing. You know, if someone was talking over me, like, hey, Netta was just speaking. Netta, could, could you share what you were just saying? Right. So like when you have other people, and that's one of the things I had to learn, because like I said, going into corporate America, I was so closed. I didn't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> I just wanted to do my work and get the hell out, like even before five o'clock. But right. I had to realize that I still need people at the end of the day, Absolutely. regardless if they look like me or not. I need them. Yeah. And so having people also supporting and fighting on your behalf, 
Yeah. That's what helps you kind of build that muscle, that voice, because you know you're not going to be the only one talking. You're going to yeah. have a crew behind you supporting you. Yeah. I want to, you know, I love, I want to just say, first of all, you know, Netta, I love this conversation because um, these conversations need to be had. Believe me, um, there's a lot of people that are younger than us that are going through this shit, that are looking for these type of answers that they cannot ask anybody in their circle because they might not have the experience. So when women like you that have the experience, that have the position come on and they give this information, it is invaluable. So I just want to thank you for just, you know, being upfront and being honest about it. You know what I mean? I want to switch gears a little bit because I'm, I'm, I'm curious myself, Arrow Die. Where did you come up with that name? Like our company is, oh, you know, OTB Digital, Outside the Box Digital. We have a, you know, an a, a understanding and a, and a framework for why we created the company, Die. Can you walk us through, you know, where that name came from? And you understand what I'm saying? How do you, how you came up with that? I'm curious of how you came up with that name. What is what is the significance of the name of the company that you chose? Yeah, yeah. Aerodie is when I think of arrow, it's air. Okay. Right? So, okay. so it's how do we how do we keep sustained as human beings? Okay. These, how do we keep a breath within these organizations, right? right? And then even from a business perspective, how do organizations continue to thrive? Right. And so that's how uh, Aerodie uh, really came came into fruition. I, love that. Okay. You, you know, I, I was gonna say because I know we're coming up on two hours almost. This okay. I know you, you know you got the kids and stuff like that. I do yeah. want to actually. I'm a LinkedIn motherfucker. Okay. I want to talk about the personal branding. When did that start it? And what has been the overall impact of your personal brand been for Arrowdot and yourself personally? Okay. Yeah, good question. It was for me like years ago. So when everyone saw LinkedIn as just that job platform to go and, you know, land an opportunity, I started writing. I just started writing content and little things, right? And I was re a recruiter at that time, so I needed to also connect with a ton of people. So Damn. I was building and building, exactly building. But then I knew it was it wasn't just about connecting with people. Like people want to know who you are. The same thing for a business, right? People fall they can fall in love with your business, your product, or whatever. But they really actually fall in love with who you are, what your values bring, what you believe in. And once I understood that. I was like, ah, all I got to do is just share my story. And I started, I started to share my story and people really felt it, especially during a time when LinkedIn is now a little bit more saturated with content, but it wasn't as saturated before, you know, people were using it for a different thing. And so that's what I say. Like, we always have to be really strategic uh, and hone in when we're in a mo when we're in that moment, you know what I mean? And um, that's how I really started. It, it's really helped me tremendously. Um, it's, it's gotten me on, I mean, a ton of speaking engagements. I just um, interviewed the co-president of South by Southwest. So getting that connection. I just- Hold on, wait, 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 hold on, before, before you gotta get it. Y'all need to have your own space, yeah. but- um, I also interviewed Arlen Hamilton. Yeah. She, do y'all know about Arlen? Oh, she's such a force. Oh, I never heard of Arlen. Oh, I'll look her up. She's the founder of Backstage Capital. So focuses on you know folks from underrepresented groups. Okay. And she went from being homeless, literally sleeping in a San Francisco airport, covering, wow. using her jeans as a pillow. Went from that to Mark Cuban investing 
in in her in her venture capital firm. She has her wait, own wait, uh, Shark, Shark Tank, or he um, just found out about it. what was that? Um, oh no, not she wasn't on Shark Tank. Okay, oh, so he just found out about the company somehow, yeah. some way, and wow. Yeah, she's a force. She's a force, and I just interviewed her, and I mean, like, there's just there's so yeah. many people doing great things, and even just meeting her. When I tell you. I met her and I was telling her a little bit um, about a situation that I'm trying to navigate right now. And she was like, Netta, I'm here to support you, right? Yeah, she yeah. just met me, but that's what I'm talking about. Like when we as black people come together to support, like I asked her, I asked her, I was like, hey, uh, I'd love to interview Mark Cuban. What is the best way to connect with him? She hit me with her with his email. <laughs> like, Ooh, it was like, I was like, Wait, wait, Netta, we, I have to stop you right there because we have been talking about this for the last week, almost every day straight. How long does it fucking take when you connect with somebody, when you realize somebody is doing something that you want to help them? How long does it take for you to say, I actually want to help them? And the answer is immediately. Immediately. Anybody that truly wants to help, that does not have any ulterior motives, helps you fucking immediately. The same thing that you said, we had a guy get off the podcast, in the green room, behind the podcast, called three people, and not, not emails, like, I'm calling them on the phone, they will be on your podcast, I'm connecting you guys, here's their fucking personal number, immediately. Mm -hmm. This is what we're talking about. If yeah. we stuck together as a community, Right? Change doesn't happen in hundreds of years. It happens over fucking night. Message. We stuck together as a community. Change doesn't take a hundred of a hundred years. It happens overnight. If we stuck together and said, no, we're going to make this happen and we're going to make this happen fucking tomorrow with us as a black and brown culture, with the power of the money that we spend in, in, in this fucking culture, we make things happen overnight. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, it's too much of this and not enough of this. Mm -hmm. Listen, I didn't I tell y'all I had a teardrop come on my eye yesterday because I was just like, damn, like I, I just didn't feel like I was getting right. It's just easy access I can get into a lot of these right. organizations with the connections that I have. Right. And even with those people, I just felt like there was like it was like dead ends. Was dead ends. And then, but the person that I got a yes from is is a white man, you know? Like, no, look, wait, yeah. Jerry. No, say it, Jared. No, you don't. Jared, don't hold. Wait, Jared, don't hold back. I know what you're going to say and go ahead and say it because we uh -huh. talked about this. It's always, it. it's always it's always the other people that are not us that are supporting us. Yeah, well, what, we had a business and guess yeah, what? We do over five million impressions on LinkedIn per year. And yeah, guess what? Our first our We've never dealt with a black client to this yeah, day. We don't have a black yeah, client. We don't have a black client. Wait, outside wait, of our no, no, no. We don't wait, have a black wait, sponsor. Wait, wait, wait. We don't have wait, a black wait, anything. Wait, wait. Say it again slowly, Jared. Say it one more time. We've Say been in business again. one year. We don't have a black client. We don't have a black sponsor. We don't have a black anything. The only thing black on this motherfucker is me and Chad. Yeah, it is. I'm telling that? you. Straight I'm, up. I'm telling you. And, and, and we're doing this shit, Netta, for the culture, right? Bye for the ourselves. culture. And guess what? Our show... Our show, and I'm gonna, I don't know the numbers specifically off my head, but let me just say 80 fucking percent is black entrepreneurs, black C suite, black affluential fucking people. And guess who the people that are helping us? The other fucking culture. Well, <laughs> that's, and that's what made me cry yesterday. Right. Okay. Right. Because right. I was just like, 
Right. Damn. Even when I think about um, the funding, what was a white man that invested? Right. You know how many businesses I've had? This, this, is, not the first, this is not the first business I've no, had. I've always crazy, been an entrepreneur. Man. This is not the first tech platform that I've had. I've always been right. an entrepreneur. But when right. I went to my own, right. I did shot. Right. People that I was, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been in front of people, been to their houses that are right. millionaires, black millionaires. Right. Door. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Netta. Start talking your shit, but I'm gonna give you this in the background a little. <laughs> Come on, she Netta. Going to church. She going, going to church. church Netta. Oh, Netta, we going to goddamn church. Give your sermon, Netta. Give, give your sermon, Netta. Give your <laughs> sermon, Netta, please. Okay. I mean, and it hurts. And, and that's why I go back right. to, I'm like, but what is it, right? Like, right. what is it is, that's why, Chad, when we were talking earlier yeah. and you were like, well, is it is it the oppressive mindset? Is it right. ego? What, what do you think? Right. Is it a combination? That's why I say it's also ego is in there, you know? Because that is a, at a certain point, you can't get Netta on the show. Get on the show on your own. I'm not referring to stop calling me. The other I'm podcast. Not. Sorry, sis. They're trying Netta, to call you. Sorry. <laughs> our phones never ring before the fucking podcast. When we on the podcast, our phones ring 200 times. The other podcasts want to interrupt the fuck what we got going on. If you want Netta Jenkins, we're not giving it to you. You got to go get it yourself. <laughs> if the price is right, we don't even want to just make sure you pay up. Make sure you pay up. Ah, negotiate your own terms and conditions. <laughs> y'all are funny. Y'all are funny. But yeah, it's um, it, it and that's a combination. I say yeah. it's a combination, right? Because like yeah. when you when you reach a level of success, you're a millionaire. You have this fancy house. You you can pull strings. You're connected to this person. You live very close to yeah. former Beyonce and and Jay Z's former house or whatever yeah. in the Hamptons, right? Like when you have all of these things, and it's like, but damn. <laughs> don't you see but i also then say okay but netta hold on put your ego to the side not everyone's gonna support you yeah you're amazing yeah you think your platform is amazing too but not everyone is gonna you know not everyone needs to or has to support you so i always try to back up but i'm just like damn when you see someone going so hard you know when you see someone going so hard when you even hear of this story that you don't really say they went from employee to employer and have their, not even a white person can say, yeah, my CEO of a former company invested. Like you don't hear that. So when you hear that coming from a black woman, wouldn't you think to yourself and say, damn, I got to invest. Like I got to. What she was capable of doing, like does not, not show heart, you know? And so, grit and perseverance and determination you know, and all that. Give it to you, Queen. She's saying, how many fucking times do black people and brown people got to fucking prove themselves before it's enough? Say it for what it is, Netta. Proving ourselves to our own people, though. To our own fucking Ooh. people. To our own people. Because we, we know that when we get to fucking any industry, we already got to work twice as hard as them. We got to make twice as little mistakes as them. They'll get fucking... Oh, let's slap on the wrist. Oh, you try, you do. Huh? Let us make a little mistake, and it's the end of the fucking world. You should have known better. I can't believe you did. This is what we're talking about. When is enough enough? I'm saying to you, Netta, when do you think enough is enough? How many fucking times do we have to prove ourselves? How many times will your track record come into question about you being successful before we fucking look at each other and say, yo, 
we we moving. This is the right person to bet on. Vice is you fucking bet on somebody you don't even know, don't even have the same interests as you, doesn't understand your fucking culture, but you're betting on them because everybody else is betting. Like, what the hey, fuck? Hey, even enough, let's go. Let's just take a step further. I know we're about to end up by step further, sis. Crazy, bro. Question you as a black woman. Right. Yo, how right. many times have you walked in a room and they're like, oh, right. what the fuck? Or they right. give you a look or a stare. How, like, how many times does that happen? I, I guarantee. Fucking the thing. I, I don't. Want to, I don't want to say did they ask you to. I don't even. But it's not even like the energy is not even coming from white people. You know, like I mean, like, it, it comes Crazy. from my own, and Crazy. that is what broke me down yesterday. Yeah, it is. Because I was just it like, is. I was like, damn, like, yeah. damn, like this doesn't have to be that hard. It, like it really doesn't have to be that hard with like the connections. All it takes is like, listen, let's even just get in the room and listen to this girl. Let's yeah, see even if even if just out of a hundred of these companies, right? Like they're CDOs of five of us. Let's let's say five of us out of the group. We have to pour. Yeah. Can you imagine that type of movement? And not only me, right? Like I'm talking for me because I'm building this damn technology. Not only me, there's so many people in that position as well that are doing brilliant things, but 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 can't even break through the door with their own people. Message. That hurts. That hurts. It, it hurts. And that hurts a lot. And then when I when I am speaking to a white guy today and he's like, listen, I am going to do everything possible to make sure that this gets in the door. Then you're just like, but damn. Why did I have to go? No, yeah, like, but he's willing to do that for me, you know. And guess what, sis? I'm, oh. I'm, we're, gonna, we're gonna take it a step further, sis. We just want to let you know how much we support you because we're coming up to the or in a two hour mark. How much we rock with you, <laughs> sis? It, when time flies, when you're having fun. Wait, so hold on, sis. Let me let me let you know. The people are chiming in. I'm telling here. you, if you if you got a hard stop, we can stop. But I'm telling you on Instagram, the people are commenting, they're chiming in, they are loving this interview. They're, they are acknowledging how powerful the statements you are, how, 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 how it is impacting them and how it's making them feel as women that might be underneath the level you're at aspiring to be where you are. So I'm just telling you, like, you know, we understand if we have a hard stop, but we do impact over metrics. Yeah. This is your story. So as long as you want to go, we're going to sit right here. Be clear. And thank we you for trusting us with your story. Absolutely. Yeah, you know course, what I mean? Of course. You know, our thing with our community is we love, we love to get these stories out. Be clear. I'm talking to the community. We're going to bring you these stories. But these stories are only valuable if you actually listen and learn and actually apply the knowledge that you take from these stories to take action. Mm -hmm. Message. Information without action is only information. It's not knowledge at that point. It's only information. It only becomes knowledge when you put action to the information and you apply it. If us as a community, we are listening to the people that we are bringing on the show, you're absorbing what the information that we are giving you guys, but you're not taking action. It's not affecting your day to day. Then we are doing this for fucking nothing. You gotta listen to him. You learn something. Doing this, being real with you, bro. Because, like I said, we do this shit for the community. We do this shit for the culture, bro. Netta, we just oh, met. Hold on. I do it for the children. I do it for the children. <laughs> Netta, 
I'll give you a perfect example, right? Again, right? We had a guy that we interviewed on the show. His name is Mike Barron. Shout out to Mike. Shout out to Mike Barron. On the show, Mike Barron said, yo, I fuck with you guys. I feel your heart. I feel your energy. I really want to connect. We always extend an invite to any one of our guests. Whenever you come to New York, meet us in person. Let's break bread. Let's talk. We, we've been with Mike Barron for two days straight. Mike Barron flew in on a Tuesday, met us yesterday for dinner on Valentine's Day, on his anniversary. Met up with us. We broke bread and had dinner last night, and we took him around the hood today on a tour. That's why we was a little late and we was moving around. But you know what Mike Barron did? Two things that he did. One, he listened to us and said, let's talk business, and let me try to help you guys move into a different space. That's number one. Number two, he said, I understand you guys' energy. And even if I can't help you financially, let me talk to you and listen to what you're doing. And maybe I can give you a little bit of business acclimate to help you be better. Support yeah. doesn't always come in a financial form. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But it didn't take Mike Barron two fucking weeks. It didn't take him three weeks. It didn't take him 90 days. He oh. said it on the fucking interview and he's been active ever since. Message. About the you know what? I have to give I have to give a big shout out to my dear friend Zoe Bogan. Here we go. Let's talk about it. She just started. She's a black woman. She just started a revenue program. Right. And within the past couple of days, I've been able to vent vent to her. But she's she's that type of person. She was like, right. the the people she connected me to. She was right. like, these are decision makers. I'm connecting instantly. And the same thing. She's like, all right, I want to take my program to the next level. I'm like. Let me interview you on the spot. I have the yeah. following. Let's do it. In fact, we need to do that with both of you as well. Um, but but that's what it's about. You know what I mean? And so I am happy that, yes, some of us are out there supporting each other hard because Zoe is definitely one of them. Yes. Chad, Jarrett, y'all one of them, right? Like I'm like that as well. And I know there's many others. And then you have the other people <laughs> that won't support, you know, and, and, and that's... And that's we need a, we need a, we need a horn for that. It's, it's, it's a lot of you motherfuckers, and, and what I got to say to you motherfuckers that don't like to support and talk shit. Hate it. Especially when you offer the motherfucking support when motherfuckers then ask you for the support. That's the worst. You offer it. That's the motherfucking worst when you offer it when nobody asks you for it and you still fall through on your offer. We ain't letting you slide. Mm -hmm. We're gonna throw your ass under the bus every chance we fucking get. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And with that being said, sis, we oh, just man. wanna say thank you, sis. Oh. We rock with you. You know you got brothers now that are in New York City that are rocking with Man. you, supporting you, all of that. Since anything we can do, we've had motherfuckers. We had Doug Melville on, one of the chief, you know, varsity off, one of the big people. We had Walter Gibb. Whoever you need to talk to, sis, anything that we can help, we're on deck, sis. And I'm putting our number right now in the private chat. You, you know, just in case we can make another private chat. But please, sis, make sure you get in touch with us. And yeah. thank you for sharing your journey with us. Because you didn't have to take two hours out of the time yeah. from away from the babies, away from the family to yeah. come rock with us. And this was such a real-ass discussion. Thank you. Well, be clear. Be clear. I'm going to say this to you. And my cousin is going to co-sign this. This is not our last interaction. We are, working, we are working on a lot. We're working on a venue right now. We're working on a lot of things behind the scenes to not only talking to people like you, but bringing people like you to a venue in person. You, Doug Melville, Walter Gear, black influencers, 
in the DEI space, in this space where it's only two, three, four of y'all sprinkled in the world and having people be able to walk up to you and humanize you and say, I met Netta James and I got a chance to speak to her and you guys to spread that message in person because virtual is dope, in person is a lot better so that they can connect and we can actually fucking spread this message in real time. We're working on putting this event together where we can teach, people can learn, and have not, you know, not all school shit. We're gonna have a good time, have some drinks, but, but you can come, you can learn, you can listen to some testimony, and you can humanize the people that you look up to or you respect. Yeah, we're working on that, and we are going to um extend the invite to you for that. Though. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. I'd love to be a part of it. Anything yeah. y'all do. <laughs> I know y'all are going to bring the fun and the heat. And, no, and I the have that. You know, listen, Netta, I'm just going to tell you something right now. <laughs> you know, person, just understand these shoulders work. Uh-huh. <laughs> the shoulders work. So we're gonna, we gonna talk that we're gonna get to the business, but after the business, I we uh, gonna make sure them yeah. shoulders work, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know what vibe it is. And yo, with that being said, we're we gonna give you some love just to let you yeah. end up and let people know where you are. But yeah, next baby. week, y'all, February 20th, we got Jay Alexander Martin, founder yeah. of Fubu, co-founder yeah. with Damon John pulling up to the show. To yep. talk that real talk. Then we got yep. Angela Stanton King, who's also yep. a campaign manager, actor, author, uh, activist, author, all of that for RFK presidential campaign. And then we got Baps Bunny from making another, the band. Wait, another Kennedy. Another, Kennedy. another Kennedy. Another Kennedy. We, we can we get Kennedy on the show. We're going to ask him, do you have steak and Kennedy fried? <laughs> another Kennedy, right? To show you the lineage of how many fucking Kennedys have been in political power. Mm-hmm. That is a statement. Keep going, Jeff. Keep oh, no, going. going to Babs Bunny. And then Bad after Bunny. that, we got Fan Appreciation Week. You know what time it is. And then no, March 7th, we yeah. got Miss Latavia Woodward, Offset's Mama. Mama Set. Mama! What we doing, man? Netta, please. Netta, please. I need you to do two things for me. Number one. Let the people know where they can find you because I guarantee you they're going to be people that want to get in contact with you via social media. Number two, in the private chat, if you could put your number in there, what we do is we we create a group chat between our guests, me, Jared, and the guests, so that way we can always be connected. So that way, any events or anything, we can always stay in communication because this is the first of our conversations. It will not be the last, and we look forward to fostering this relationship. And also, if you know any queens, we're doing Women's Appreciation Month. We would love to get yes, black queens That's that are doing right. amazing things. We, we're halfway booked. If you know any queen that you could put us on to that are doing amazing things yeah. all and other people, yeah. we'd love to have them on and celebrate them here and get the of real yeah, we love that. Look, Hey said I've seen every episode of this show, Queen. This is my top three easily. And let me uh, talk about it. Let me tell you something. Hey does a lot of our analytics and backgrounds, and for him to say that, he again, I'm telling you, this is that's not bullshit. He's telling you how impactful that was to him as a black man, right? But you also seen Tiffany and a lot of other people come on that's telling you how impact. Look, Tiffany just put up the fire to show you how impactful it is to black women. Your message is getting out there, Queen. Please don't stop. Let the people know where they can get in contact with you. Yes, everyone connect with me on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm on there every day. Uh, and it's Netta Jenkins, N-E-T-T-A-J-E-N-K-I-N-S. Right, mainly LinkedIn. That's where they could get with you. Mainly LinkedIn, yeah, mainly LinkedIn and, and just send me a little note <clears throat> okay. when you do send me a request that 
you know, you you heard from me on, on the show so I can accept you because I have so many people. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know? sure. Are you one of them people since that require the email? I, I, I know mean, you are, ain't you? That's crazy. That that's, she got the, the verification, the, the three-time verification on her page. Come on, let us in, baby. Let us in, sir. Yeah, no, I have I have about like three, four thousand people like still wow. waiting. Yeah, wow. and so with LinkedIn, they say it's best to like have people following you. You get more traction, all that. But right. um, but definitely, I want anyone that is tuning in right now that wants to connect with me, just like send me a little note. Hey, I heard. Heard about your story on this show, yeah. and I will definitely make sure that I that I connect with you. Holy shit, we bring you back. So you got 121,000 subscribers for your newsletter. <laughs> Woo! 121,000 people that opted to hear Queen's content. You shitting me? Oh my god! Make sure y'all make sure y'all tap in, man. We gonna we gonna get crazy. Make sure y'all tap in with us. Like Jared, Jack, like Jared always like to say, ladies and gentlemen, um, we are we are growing and we are glowing. And it, it is it is not possible, not possible without the support of our community. It is not possible without our guests that agree to come on and share their story, right? And not hold back and give you and be vulnerable with the culture so that we can grow. So I like to thank the guests that come on. Netta, we like to thank you for coming on. We like to thank the community. And listen, people, we do this for y'all. Like I said, this shit is free. Y'all not paying nothing for this. If you can't tune in or you can't subscribe or you can't do anything, then you know what? This is not worth it to you. You're not the audience that we're looking for. We're looking for people to lock in. That's we're looking for people. We are looking for people to take this message and take action forward. That's the bottom fucking line. Message. We know we're not going to reach everybody, we, we, but we know we can reach a few. And with the few that we do reach, it will change their lives, which will roll down a trickle and you will change your family's life. And that's what, what we are. And that's what we are. And what Kim said, what we are, we are the curators, uh, curators of the culture, the culture. baby, more than the title. Thank oh, yeah, you for tuning in. We outside, put it up, we out of here.